Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let, Let Me Tell You. But I love it. If he Samana is freaking awesome. I'm sure he is. You know, it's funny. I call him Abel. Oh, okay. I'll be like, did you hear Abel's new song? <laughs> it's like, who? Who? You mean yeah, the you weekend? Know, you know, Abel. Abel, the I weekend. I'm in from Toronto, dude. <laughs> what is it with these, these you know, black Canadians changing their names? To the Abel, weekend? Abel, You know where Aubrey. he got his name from? With the weekend? Because he used to skip school so much when he was in high school because he would be doing music uh-huh. that... Um, that's how he got the name The Weeknd. What? Because he was never in school because he was always off, like, you know, off for the weekend. Oh, oh right? okay, okay, okay. Where I don't know is where the vowels. Why, they, why they're gone. Why they're gone, but but yeah. Maybe it's like he had to fill out a form once and there wasn't enough space. Yeah, but he's pretty badass. Yes, he is. I can... We're, wait, we're recording. Yes, it's been a while. We haven't had a, we haven't had a cold open moment in a while. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eighty six. Oh shit! Good. You look, look. We did a cold open, and you remembered the I mean, episode after number. the debacle of episode eighty five, which is funny because I'm eighty five and eighty four. I'm always like mother. usually on point yeah, with what episode like, we are. Well, wow. 80, 84, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning when we recorded oh, that yeah, episode. That, that, yeah. West Coast time. No, it was 3 a.m. Here, here, which is midnight we, there, but you right. have been up since like 6 a.m. Right, and I so I, right. I don't know how. I lost track. And then... I think we time traveled. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and then um, then in uh, last week's episode, 85, whatever. I, <laughs> you were just caught up in the emotion of, of, our, of our friends at Spanish Hockey Presents. So at the everybody, welcome to the second uh, California-themed... I would say the California Adventure... <laughs> The yes. Cali- our California themed episode. Woo! Us and Katy Perry. Us and Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> episode 86. Happy Friday, everyone. Yes, happy Pedal Friday. Pedal Friday, fake Friday. How's everybody doing? Uh, I think everybody's good. It's Friday. It's, it's Friday. Friday, and this is the first Friday. Well, the, this is the Friday before Halloween. Right. So, so gonna, you know what, though? There's going to be a lot of parties this weekend. Right. This is not going to be a Halloween episode. 
You no, know, that, gonna, no. we're not gonna have a Trigo Three episode no, like we did like last we, year, yes. but we could do a Trigo Three retrospective next week. Okay, so okay, we'll do that enough. because we have so much packed in this episode from you our from our California adventure <laughs> that you guys are gonna get not one but two interviews. Yes, that's right. You're gonna get an Olympian and an entrepreneur, and I like those fake bullshit entrepreneurs on Instagram, like mm. a legit entrepreneur. No, this person doesn't sell Herbalife. This no, person, at all. Like, at all. Sells, yeah, yeah, sells <laughs> has an empire, has an empire, and sells <laughs> so, delicious food. So, but we'll get to that in yeah. a minute. Actually, you know what? For for next, what we should do is we should post pictures of like every Halloween. But what we should totally do is because since you've documented our entire life together, yeah. you should post every picture where my costume changes, but you're still a monk. I'm still a monk. Yeah, that, I can think of like three or four. That would be great. Um, I need to stop bragging on Herbalife because we may have, we may <laughs> listen. Have, I'll take their money. I'm we may have lie. listeners that are. Either or they Herbalife want, entrepreneurs or they want to sponsor us. We love everyone, you know, and if that makes you happy and you lose weight and you're fit, awesome. Then have at it. <laughs> Pero, anyway, so, so yeah, as you guys know, we have been kind of on the West Coast all this time. Well, not all this time, but we were on yes, the we West Coast. We just got back three seconds ago. <laughs> we were yeah. on the West Coast for a bit. Yeah. We did a lot while we were long, out there. A long weekend. We, to tie we, it back to the weekend. We were, we were, um... <laughs> Well, we were more than a long weekend uh, out but there. But approximate. Um, you know, we were we did a lot. Uh, a, a lot of it had to do with the podcast. Yeah, and yeah. Hopefully things that are going to be happening yeah. with the podcast. I mean, we are a Miami-based podcast, but we know we've got listeners all over the place. And so we, we like to spread the love and branch out. Of and, course. You know, that's that's where you're getting. But let me tell you, it goes west. goes west. Um, but it was great. I, I, I love L.A. Well, I love California in general. And Even it was. there like eight sons. Yeah. <laughs> it, I've been. I've been to LA. I think this was my seventh or eighth time in LA. Okay. I was in LA for. Yeah. I've been probably to LA several probably times. Like my fourth or fifth. Yeah. But I don't know if it's because of climate change or something that I found it like brighter than ever. And as we were staying in last episode with the Spanish Aki gang, yeah. I'm like, okay, we come from Miami, Florida, which right. is we're not. The strangers. Yeah. It's not like we're coming from London, right? Know? Right. Like, or Seattle. <laughs> or Seattle. Right, right. You know. We, we are the freaking sunshine state, and I feel that in L.A., como tú dijiste, we in... And, the, and Tatooine with the three suns. No, and you said, in L.A., the sun, a toda hora del día, como el sol de las cuatro en Miami. Yes. El sol de las cuatro. Like, 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 that annoying sun that's in your face. Yeah. You know, the type of sun that bleaches out everything. Yes. <laughs> you can't take a good selfie. Yes. It's like all the time. It was like, maybe it was the time of the year that we went. I don't know if I had been to LA in October before. Okay, but, but, but October's well, but you, the fall. No, but you know that in different times of the year, obviously the sun is different. But anyway, um, so one of the things that we, we loved about LA, and um, for those of you who have been there. It was all the incredible people we met. Yes, that you could testify to it. And we kind of briefly mentioned this on Spanish Aki on our show last uh, week, which again, thank you so much yes. to Spanish Aki Presents. Yes, thank you to them, all the the the, the production team at Earwolf. I mean, everybody you guys was were absolutely phenomenal. awesome. Thank you for hosting Riza, you us. Still us a, you still owe us a live in person interview. Yeah, we still have to send them Hopinha, but that's a that's whole true. other story between you well, and I. Yeah, Maybe true. we'll do it tomorrow. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway, um, what I love about LA, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to have traveled a lot and I've visited, you know, I would say most of the country. And I find that hands down LA and Miami are the two most similar cities mm-hmm. or of one of each other. I mean, obviously there's differences, right. but, but as you, you could call them sister cities, but, but as you said, we have bad traffic. They have worse. Although I don't know. Okay. So the thing is, I don't know. Quantity wise, here's the thing. Quantity wise, their traffic is worse, but it moves. 
I feel I, like there's probably less people I think, on the expressway. I think the only the only time they top us in traffic is, as you and I said, um, like on the weekends. There's bumper to bumper traffic. No, y como la las nueve de la noche which, on, which, on a Thursday there which was traffic actually you know what here it's it's come to that because for example on the 836 here in Miami the area mm-hmm. of the airport from the airport to like I-95 even if you go on a weekend it's bumper to bumper yeah but not okay because so you picked me up you got there first you picked me up I got in at about 830 9 o'clock eh, give or take oh it's San Diego there was there was traffic still like noticeable traffic like at nine nine thirty. No no no. LAX has his own traffic like pattern. Oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly yeah no no. no. <laughs> so we 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 loved that and um, of course In and Out Burgers, which, which I gave my last soda to in our episode eighty four. You know I think the thing with In and Out Burgers is. You know, is it the best burger I've ever had? No. Probably not. But I think the fact that their menu is so limited. You got and it's three like, options. This is what you're getting. It's this, this, or this. And if not, I can't help you. You go to Burger King. Have it, it your way. Have it your way. Because you're not going to have it your way here. Yeah. So, you know, what, what I'm saying is in terms of New York, is, I'm sorry, uh, LA, is that LA is very similar to Miami in the sense of like... You drive everywhere. Right. You know, you have to look for parking. There's a beach culture. Um, there's a beach culture. There's a car culture. There's a car culture. <laughs> there's a lot of palm trees. Oh, there are palm trees. But they're are different. That's, they're how different. Can, that's how you can they're tell different. when they're. But there, there's a right. lot of palm trees. They have hills. We have Mount Trashmore. It, uh, hello, the hill in Charcoal Park. That is true. <laughs> that's what, like 30 feet high? It's, listen, it's a hill. That is true. Um, and there's Mango Hill in uh, Mango Hill in, in Hialeah. You know, we all love Mango Hill. That's true. As Lucy Lopez stated. Very, very, very. So very, shout out to yes. Lucy Lopez yes. and Mango Hill. Um, what else? What else? They have Jack in the Box. We don't. We don't. That's I didn't true. see that many McDonald's and Burger Kings, actually. You know, now that you think about it. Yeah, they say it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm sure they were there. But it's very similar in the sense, like, I for s- example. I can, I can only think of one. You want to go to the mall, you get in your car, you drive to the mall, you park in the mall. A huge Latino community. Right. Um, So, you know, again, from all the places I've been in the U.S., and Mm -hmm. and I'm fortunate enough to have been around, um, I think they're the two most similar ones. Uh, Yeah. yeah. There's obviously a very big, and I'm going to put this in a very, very politically correct and uh, classy term, there's a big vanity culture in L.A. as there is here. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough, but I mean, also the difference though is that different but similar is that LA is built around an entertainment industry, so everything is about you know, and we're built around an entertainment uh, around a Latin, a tour, but we're built like a model industry, um, a model industry, and also our tourism industry. That is what it's supposed to look like, right, 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 right. Because right. when people come to Miami, they want to, they want tourism, they want to see people that look that way. Even right. if they're inside, they're like, oh, look at that bitch with that body, with that, with that you know, eight pack, you know. Uh, but that's what they expect to see, right? right Maybe right. for different reasons, our our look plays a factor, but but um, but yeah, I will say what I do like about LA, um. In general, California, Southern California, is that no matter what time of the year it is, la temperatura por la noche baja un poquitico y necesitas un suetercito. But it's nice. Something light. But it's something light. Oh my God, when we went to Randy's Donuts, yo me estaba congelando standing in that line. Yeah, and it really wasn't that cold. It It wasn't cold, but I was, like, I was 
cold. Even though during the day it was scorching hot. Right. You know? Like I had a sunburn. At night, I see that was with a That's the type that my, my mom. Bueno. That's the type that my mom, if it was that cold here, we would probably wear coats. Well, that's when we would go to La Palma. Right. To have the churro. To have churros and get right. questioned about our cafe con leche. Right. But um, that's the difference. But, you know. But we love our know. differences. Oh no! I will say this though. Mm-hmm. So this is what I was disappointed about in LA, okay. and this is again having Miami mentality. It is very surprising to me, and I mentioned this to you, how LA, being one of the biggest cities in the world, everything closes so early. Yeah, no, I knew that. I, I knew mean, that. See, when we went to eat at um, that place, I can't remember the name out in downtown LA with with our with our friends Madeline and, and Jake. Yeah. Madeline was great. Madeline, they're both phenomenal. I've yeah. loved Madeline forever. Madeline, and she's a listener, so yeah. You know what? I had to say she's the type of person in speaking to her that I, I that was the first time I had met her. But you feel like you know, like her. I feel like I know her. Yeah, like I feel like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Madeline. It's just Madeline. Like of course it's of course it's we're been a while, Madeline. Yeah, it's been oh my god, ages since we've last chatted. Yeah, Pero, you know, my like, whole life, but. Pero, Last call was at eleven thirty. Yeah, that's such a like at eleven thirty they were just like, "Hey, we're about to close in like a half hour." And then when we left, we were still hungry. Yeah, we were still hungry. We couldn't find an open place in downtown LA, like a freaking Taco Bell, nothing something in you know? downtown LA. Yeah, yeah, and that to me is like mind blowing. We're very used to things just always being open. I like, mean, here everything is open. I mean, if late. you're on the beach, you can go to Pizza Rutica. You know, it's open to like, I'm saying minimum. In the beach, everything, like, I think most things in the beach don't don't close. News Cafe doesn't close. Neither does a Big Pink. Neither does. I think the TGI Fridays, you know, this this is a commercial It's open to like three. Yeah, it's open to like three or four in the morning. Um, That is, to me, a really big difference in LA and in most cities. Because I remember, like, in Boston, things close early, too. Let's not even talk about Michigan. Where if you go to dinner at eight o'clock, no, the restaurant's empty. Mira, like, I feel like Chicago things are open late. Um, not like here. New York, New not York, like for, no New York, yes. No, no, no. In uh, in Chicago, because I recall they're open later than L.A. I recall walking the streets of downtown Chicago dumping at night, like eleven something. And that sounded like were you close. were about to tell some downtrodden tale. Oh no, no. no. I remember walking the streets of, of Chicago, downtown Chicago, downtown Chicago and the only night. thing open was like Walgreens. <laughs> I went up the one on Michigan Avenue and and um oh. But I just, I feel like it doesn't, they, things, L.A., again, for being L.A., mm-hmm. you know, it's a party town, it's entertainment, it's Hollywood, you know, everything's like, but I mean, you know, they have early call times. <laughs> All of Hollywood. They got to be at the studio early, you know, they can't be But puffy. it's just surprising that it's That's such how you a, become Lindsay Lohan. It's such a big city and right. everything closes early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It has a big Latin community. Which so, we know we're not early, well, yeah, we're not early we're, birds. You know, we run on Latin time. I mean, we don't start. La Pachanga doesn't start until like 10. Yeah. And that's not only Cubans. That's all. No, that's Latin. That, that's, that's everything south of the border. South of the yeah, border. Yeah. yeah. Oh, why couldn't I say south? South of the border. South of Colorado. <laughs> do you know why I said that? Yes, you, I do know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is our Trump moment of the day. Ta-dum, ta-dum, ta-dum. There we go. So here's a joke. Did, okay. Did he? It's on video. But no, 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 no. I'm not questioning whether he said it. <laughs> Did he say it was being built to keep the Mexicans out? Like, I want to understand okay, the This is context. what I seriously think. I want to understand the okay. context. Because this we live in a clickbait world. This, this is why I seriously think, and this is why I think it's funny. He probably misspoke because as much as I like to throw stuff at him, I would like to believe that he knows that New Mexico. Okay, so let's give a little bit of backtrack. So this week, moving on from our California theme. Right. Um, well, which we can come back to. Well, we are coming back yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. Um, this week, 
there was um, get another Trump snafu because Trump was saying that um, he wanted to build a border wall in Colorado. Right, mind you, Colorado doesn't doesn't border <laughs> border another country. Another country it borders like New Mexico and yeah. and and such. And maybe he's just trying to keep the potheads in. And he went on and on about the border wall in Colorado. I think he obviously got confused, right? And I, I, I don't know what he was thinking, and we'll never know because he never comes but, back. But, and but, but that's the—that's why I think it's funny because anybody else would have been like, "Oh shit, oh, you know what? Uh, Sorry, oh, I misspoke. I misspoke." Uh, but he's probably going to be like, "No, no, 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 no. Huge, that's not, no, that's huge. not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Right. You understood it wrong. You understood it wrong. You right, understood right. it wrong. As this usual. is the Democrats spinning per and spinning. You know." The, he will not admit that he they said made a mistake. They made a mistake. It's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when George Bush called the – he was in Australia giving some speech and he called them Austrians? Yeah. And he was the first one that laughed at it. Yeah, he's like, You know what my favorite up. George Bush snafu is? And you could watch it on YouTube. I think it's hilarious. He was giving some w? speech. Yeah, W. Um, he was giving some speech or something. I think it was in China. Okay. But I could be wrong. Or it was in an Asian country, maybe Singapore. But it was it was in Asia, and he had he was like in this little stage, and he had come into the stage, you know, by the right, mm-hmm. right. So he gives us the speech, and then <laughs> when he finishes the speech, what would I see them? He goes to the like towards to, the left, right to leave the like, stage, and he starts opening the door, and it was like a prop door. <laughs> And I the door wouldn't open. About that. And he comes shaking the door, <laughs> and he just wouldn't let go until somebody was like. Mr. Mr. President, Mr. President. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. Um, you know, just the fact that now, you know, you know what I would love to do? You know what I would love to do? Oh my god, how I would love to maybe we should do this. I would love to go to Tropical Park with our microphone, or pero let me tell you microphone. Oh Lord, and, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And to his start, rally be like they start early in the morning. Señor y señora, usted está a favor que el, el presidente Trump haga una cerca en la frontera de Colorado para que no deje las personas de Nueva, Nuevo México entrar. <laughs> Because you know they're going to be, and I would, I would propose it that way, Nuevo Mexico, which is the New correct Mexico. name of correct. New Mexico. And I, I can assure you, el disparate que va a salir de la boca de I la gente. I would say de. let's do it, but they're, in, they're so early in the Hashtag morning. Hashtag disparate. Yeah, they're a lot in the morning. They're in the morning, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not waking up that early to then have to deal with that. <laughs> not happening. So Not yet, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, LA, Los Angeles. For those of you who have not visited so, LA. Okay, you know, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up because it's our LA episode and and you know we have the interviews coming up but where we really wanted to go is the Max, but it was closed. They were remodeling it. They're retooling renovations. it. Um, oddly enough, um, the Peach Pit had a waiting list. We couldn't make it there we either. Couldn't make it to the Peach Pit. You know, we tried. Even the After Dark one. The after Dark one, we didn't know the bouncer. You know, <laughs> you know what? I'm so surprised you and I did not come up with. What? Did not mention once. How did we not mention this once? Don't wake me up. Aww. Don't wake me up dreams. if I'm dreaming. I love California that. I love their, that Dreams. Album. I don't care. I bought it. You bought the album to I the California Dream soundtrack? I love, I love their music. And those of you who are listening who remember California Dreams, this was a gold moment. But I wanna I wanna take a moment because I know you, you talked about it on, on Instagram. I don't know if you posted it to ours, but you posted it to yours. When we went to Fuller House. Yes. Let's talk about 
that experience from, yes. from beginning to end, but well, also... Well, it begins in 1987. Oh, how much time do we have? I don't know, man. We got two interviews this episode. We don't have that much time. But the one thing I will say, and I took the, I took a picture of you, and I may post it, I may not. I don't know. But it was a, there was a moment that I took a picture of you. Like, you. I don't think you even knew I was taking it of you. No, and I haven't seen this picture. It's just you before we actually go on the lot, like before mm-hmm. you even got on the line. Um, and you're just taking the picture of the wall outside of the bigger mm-hmm. thing. And it's probably because I know you, but like I'm watching you take the picture of the picture of Fuller House, and I don't know, like it just made me feel all warm inside because I'm like, oh, oh, thank you. I haven't seen this picture, yeah. But um, so Full House was my favorite show growing up. Um, well, I mean, it was a lot of people's favorite show, but But particularly you for now, particularly (laughs) mine. Um, you know, like many kids, I went through some stuff when I was a kid and school and whatever, right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, which we're not going to get into now. But, and but, you know. Full House, watching Full House was one of those moments that no matter what was wrong with the world. At 8 o'clock? At 8 o'clock on Fridays, not Tuesdays, which eventually they switched it to Tuesdays. On 8 o'clock on Fridays, that was, you want to talk about safe spaces? That, yeah, like, the, the whole TGIF lineup I was. Will, I will match your safe spaces, millennials. Okay, That was my moment, like, um. Oh, I haven't seen it. That is a cool picture. Oh, I hadn't seen that. No, say no. when I saw you taking that picture, me the me and I took it. Um, so it, it was a show that I absolutely loved. I know Full House is not the best sitcom ever. I know it that is what it the is. original is kind of cheesy, especially with Michelle. I know all that. I I've heard it all before. <laughs> I, you're not gonna tell me something I don't know. No, you're not but it was the show that I loved the most, and I felt very attached to it. You know, as a kid does. And again, it was like my moment that I was favorites. safe. And and as as a kid, you know, I felt part of the Tanner family. You know, um, I. I recorded every single episode of Full House. Like right. this was my thing on VHS. On VHS, and Younger listeners go to Wikipedia, find out what that is. And um, I, I actually have the pictures. I sh- we should post it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually did. And every episode I have recorded on VHS. We've even said here you created the box set with with <laughs> with the original commercials. And I created like in the second or third season. You know my tapes were you know already had like seven or eight tapes of full house i was like shit i need to put this in a box right so i made this really i got this box this really big box and i'm like well i'm just not gonna put it in any regular box right i'm gonna like you know make up this box this was also before we had things like the container store the container store or printers or stuff i actually you know what i did i got like the paper box like where you get paper reams at okay yeah yeah, and then i cut it to make it the width of a vhs tape that's why, if you notice, yeah. it's the exact width of the VHS tape. Oh, you re- it was very handy. You were very crafty. For 10 years old, very Martha crafty. Stewart got nothing on you. So, like, I created the box, and I decorated it, and I painstakingly <laughs> did the font by hand, because, you know, I didn't Again, have a computer. It no was, computer, like, 8990. Downloading the full There was no Michaels. Spot. And I, I made the tape, you know, I did the box, and, like, I, I, I each tape, I did a label for each tape that was all uniform. I did a little book with each episode, what it was about. I created the box set, people. I really he did. did. He did. But anyway, going back to the thing. Um, when, so fast forward. <laughs> fast forward 30 years. Uh, when we, Juan Pablo was uh, nice enough to give us these to um, uh, tickets, mm-hmm. I, I was very, like, you remember, I was like, I'm not going to believe I am here until I am sitting in front of the set. Until you're part of the live studio audience. <laughs> live studio <laughs> audience. And it was. And, 
you know, uh, Juan Pablo de Pachi was very gracious that he actually included us in our in his friends and family. Yes, tell that story. Okay, so we get to how the how I was like a minute and a half away from some random security guy <laughs> thinking that I had potentially inappropriate pictures of Juan Pablo de Pache. So, so that story. So we we were at the studio and we were waiting in line. We got there early and even though we got there early there was still probably was a, a group of, of 50, 60 people I mean, enough. there and whatever we were we're in line. And because we this, had always heard you got you know you got to get there early. It's a standby. Thing. And we got there and early. We got there a couple of hours right. early. There's no and, guarantees. And later there was this man who comes up and he just tells everybody. He gives his general announcement. He's like, "Oh, by the way, everybody here is on standby. Everybody in this line is on standby." Yeah. And I look at this and I'm like, "Excuse me, I didn't come from Miami to freaking <laughs> be on standby, and I didn't wait 30 years to be on standby." So I was. This I, is I, the longest standby ever. I started getting that little fidgety, nervous thing, and I'm like, "What, yeah. what do you mean we're on standby? We're not." A- so he put on his best Kate Gosselin wig so, and went to speak to a manager. So no, 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 not before that happened, and then like. Like a few moments later, the same guy who was like, everybody's on standby. He's like, are there any friends and family here of the right. cast or people that work for the right. show? Cast and, crew. and then I was like, se me sendió bombillo. I was like, Imael, give me your phone. Give me your phone right now. I'm like, Imael, we have DMs from well, Juan Pablo. So I pull up the email that was from the production company from uh, Jeff Franklin. Uh, productions and you know and so he's standing there with the guy he's there and I'm like well I'm gonna stay in the line because mm-hmm. I don't know what's gonna happen here but mm-hmm. if you're over there he says no I get out of the line then they yeah, do that then... bullshit where like the first the person like right before us gets to get yeah. in like we're gonna be pissed yeah so I'm gonna stay in line whatever. so he's over there like showing him the email and there was a couple of attachments that the guy had not opened yet but at that point he's just like show him your DMs show him your DMs not like, DM. like all, all, the only thing I'm thinking in my mind is like this guy thinks that I fucking blackmail then of all the things that I'm gonna blackmail a star for is two entrances to fucking full house like hey you do whatever it takes listen right but no so because that's how we had because communicated the, with, with ish, Juan Pablo ish in his well no in, in, which I guess I could have pulled it up in my no phone. because it was on mine oh it was on yours it was on mine it, not uh, he not... had the DM um, right. that chain be, right. chain where where he had you know given us the tickets and told he us when to, to go work, and, and all that right. so I was like I was like that's from the yeah. <laughs> but then fully the letter that was on what, the attachment right he immediately saw he goes oh yeah yeah your friends and family so then from yeah, there yeah. we got a bit of the VIP yeah, treatment yeah. um I have to say that the taping of a show we've never y- done you really have to be a fan of the show because See. it takes a very long time we've been there for like entre getting there waiting to be taken in and all that it was a good 8 hours yeah it takes a long time so um and during like the takes they do each scene 5 times so during like takes and all that stuff there's a comedian mm-hmm. who and there were a lot of kids in the film honestly this, the comedian is like the unsung hero yeah of live sitcom is because there were a lot of kids in this taping and how he kept all these kids entertained for like eight to nine hours you know was incredible now i was a little mad at the comedian because the comedian was focusing on the kids and i was like i've been a fan for 30 some years and i've came from miami you know i was like i came from florida and well 
Somebody have beat us to it. Two people. <laughs> Two really. people beat us to it. First, the first we thought was like, wow. And so, the second was somebody like, had fuck. come from Brazil to see the show. Right. So he gave like he gave them like uh some prizes or whatever yeah, for coming the comedian for mm-hmm. being from Brazil. And they then there was a little girl down to the to set. The st- to the and, set. And, because at this point in time, I didn't know if we were gonna go down to the set. Right. All we knew was that we were in. We were in. We, were in. we and, didn't and, know and even though at this point um before we went in. Uh, Juan Pablo and Andrea Barber and some of this cast had come by on little golf carts and 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 Darian was like you know Juan Pablo but let me tell you he's like hey yeah okay papa. Yeah. but you know we don't know we, 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 we at the end we, of the day we, we didn't know you know we understand it's, and there were kids from busy. the Make a Wish Foundation there right, right. Uh, Candace Cameron's parents were there Jody right. Sweeten's parents were there Andrea uh, Barber's. Barber's parents were yeah. there so there was a lot of people there right. and we had no expectation I mean at the end of the day but at the end what I really wanted was to go on the set and right. on the couch but again so when when the comedian is like, you know, through, throughout takes, like, you know, messing around with people, and he's like, oh, you came from from um, Brazil. Oh, let me take you down to the set, right, right. you know, and take pictures with the cast. I'm like, we came from Florida. Well, well <laughs> there was somebody who even beat Brazil. There was a, uh, two, guys two guys who had come from New Zealand. Yep. And they had the, gotten there, I think, at like four in the morning. To the ta- And they went like straight to like wait yeah, there. Yeah. To the taping of Full House. So I was like, shit. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I count one of I, them. I will say it was great though, because whenever the comedian would give away like you know prizes, like mm-hmm. you know, it was like a signed script or mm-hmm. a cast photo or whatever. He'd be like, "Who wants this?" You hear all the little kids like you know, me, 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 and then like in the background you hear Darren being like, "Me, me too, I want like fucking Cookie Monster <laughs> in the background." <laughs> Hello, it was like a s- autograph like by all the I cast thought, like I get it, script. I thought it was. I'm hilarious. like, those kids don't care about those scripts. <laughs> No, what was funny was that you were like, there's kids here from Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah. Comport yourself. I was like, listen, you knock down whoever you want. After that, we had gotten the bracelets and we're, we knew we were going to go down to the side. I'm like, you knock over whoever you want to get to the couch, or, but don't knock over the terminally ill children. No. That's would, all I'm asking. I would asking never do that. Would because never from a PR perspective, we But anyway, we were given these, we were given these uh, uh, bands yeah. um, to go down to the set, to the actual set. And I have to tell you that when I was in the Full House living room and I sat on the sofa, it, it was a that's moment. that's the original set That is couch. the original sofa yeah. from the original show. Uh, I, I had a moment because, again, it's one of those things, you know, when you're a kid, you know, whatever it is, whether it's to be an athlete, to be an actor, to be a singer, whatever your dreams are, you know, when you're a kid, you dream big. And when I was a kid, you know, I, again, it was my favorite show, and I saw myself in that, like, family and, like, being there. And, you know, it was always my dream to, like, you know, be in the Tanner house and, like, meet them. And, you know, 30 years later, I was there. I was actually there. And, you know, when when things like that happen to you, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a full circle moment, like a, a surreal moment. I'm like, oh, my God, here <laughs> I am. Did you even, like appreciate it fully as it was happening or was it until like afterwards when you were looking no I was happening no no because I'm, I'm very good with like because sometimes we take our we, sometimes we, we, we can't wrap our heads no, around no I'm it. very good with like when I'm going through a moment that I know is important moment, yeah. I'm very good at assessing that okay, moment okay absorbing it right that's okay. why I wanted to go to the living room Okay. When we, we we first entered the set yeah, through the yeah, kitchen, yeah. and I wasn't sure if the living room was open because you remember you had the they had like those black tarps yeah, yeah, covering yeah. it, yeah. but then we went in through the back, and I was like, okay. Let me take a moment. <laughs> Here's the sofa. And go to the alcove. That's why I wanted to go to the alcove. It's enormous. enormous, yeah, yeah, enormous. I because that's where I really like. Okay. It hit you. 
that's when I was like, okay, this happened. Right, like right. this, you know, this was a dream. Like this was a dream of mine. So I don't know. It was, it was, I would state it. It's, I wouldn't, you know, I would put it in the top moments of my life. Like, cool. you know, again, I know it's just a show and all that, but it's like, again, you know, you're. But I think all of our listeners have similar, similar things that they feel that way about. I, f- it's... I felt that, I felt similar to that. When I um, I'm a big fan of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, the original Yankee Stadium, I took a tour, and they let you go on the field. And I remember being on that field and thinking, "Oh my God! Like this is like the Church of Baseball." Like right, right, right. really assessing the moment because you know those are things that as a child you you dream of it and one day one day or, and you know most or, or i wish most of your childhood dreams just don't come true i mean it That's is what it is it. so when one does and it comes out exactly how you imagine like mm-hmm. here i was sitting on the full house sofa right. I, it's like wow it's a very full circle moment like very surreal yeah. and then you know that girl wanted to take a picture so i'm like you move <laughs> was not the Make-A-Wish kid. No. Just putting no, 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 no. It's like, you move. Very, very I've waited fair. 30 years for this. You're like six years old. You could wait. <laughs> but everybody could not have been lovelier. So. And, and it was just And was again, Juan Pablo de Pachi, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As yeah. I said to you, you made a dream of mine come true. So, yeah. anyway. So, let's talk about our two guests today. Yes, let's let's get so, to it. So, our first guest is Daniel Leiva, who uh, is a pretty he, big deal. I mean, he competed in this little thing. What's what's it called? The, the Olympics. Olympics right? And not once, twice. I mean, is that like a thing? What? <laughs> like it's hard? Like it's hard? <laughs> like it's hard to get to the what? Olympics? Like, uh, so, yes, he is an Olympic medal winner in the 2012 London Olympics and in the 2016, uh, 2016 uh, Rio uh, Olympics. He is one of the most decorated uh, male gymnasts in the world. Yes. And here's a real fun thing about this interview so <laughs> so we we booked him to be on the show and uh we did the interview through skype yeah. and then a couple of well when we did the interview in skype we already had scheduled to go to la right so we were like listen why don't we just do the interview in la right right because he's now living in la he's originally from miami but he's now living in la and um he he couldn't because the time that we were going to be in LA, he was I think going to be in Germany or yeah, something. He was supposed to be somewhere else, right? So so we're like, okay, fine. So we did the interview on Skype, and the interview you will hear is through Skype. We got to LA, and I think you mentioned saw something on his Facebook or on his, his Instagram that he yeah. was in LA. Yeah. So we text him. We're like, hey, you're here. We're here. So we he was. We got to so hang out. awesome. We hung out with him. Like, legit hung out. We it hung out with like him. A, it wasn't like an industry thing. Like, oh, we're gonna go and have like a drink at a bar. Like, we legit like just hung out at his place. Played at his video place, games. Played video games. He kicked our ass. Yes. Um. I okay. Another dream you need of to mine. Stop being really good at okay, things. Okay. Another dream of mine. I got okay because I'm also a huge fan of the Olympics. Like anybody that knows yeah. me knows that I'm obsessed with the Olympics. I mean, I have books and memorabilia and all yes. that stuff on you the may Olympics. Have stolen a laurel wreath. We don't. I, I may have. Um. And I held and wore a real Olympic medal. Yeah. And that yes. thing is heavy, by the way. That thing is really fucking heavy. And and here I was, you know, hanging out with an Olympian. But the He's... one thing we do want to say about him, and there's a lot to say about him about his achievements and all that. I don't think I've ever met anybody who is so accomplished in his craft, more down to earth, yeah. more yeah. humble, mm-hmm. and nicer than him. I I like I was like looking at how cool he was because there we were hanging out with him, and and I'm like, 
I feel like we're we're like friends now. Like we're we're yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's our no, total yo, bud. Like yo we've known him for years. Like and I'm like, and you're freaking one of the most decorated like gymnasts in the in world. The world. Uh, ever. You, ever. You know, you're you're a big deal yeah. when it comes down to your craft. And here you are, like totally Playing like Super Smash Brothers with Yeah, us. like what's up guys? Like, you know, like, like I mean anybody I mean, as I said, it's like man, there's people on Instagram who are real estate agents who make like these vanity <laughs> videos of them walking out on their mom's Maserati, and you know, in, in slow mo, yeah, who you know, who are in, like walking down Miami in slow motion, you know, and they're a real estate agent, and they have this like total vanity video, and it's like, wow, yeah. the video about you selling houses is all about yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? sure Which I think works. is cool. But then here you have this guy who's like so freaking accomplished, and it's funny, like you say, like Madeline, you know, you felt you, you when we met with you felt like you had known her with him. I felt like. Like some type of weird like cousinship type yeah. thing where it's like well he's like, Cuban from Miami and Santero so so you know anyway when oh without further ado yep. here is our interview with um our kind of L A ish yeah, our weird like L A ish interview not L A but it's definitely part of our L A edition experience, experience of um multi Olympian and uh, world um championship winner when gente Daniel Leiva enjoy. All right, and welcome back, listeners. As we mentioned, and I, 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 I'm just amazed that DJ is even able to sit down in his chair because I know how excited he must be right now. We have one of one of the most elite, you know, one of gymnasts in the world. He's an Olympian, an Olympian people, an actual Olympian. But more important than that. He's a Cubanito from Miami, which is what we're all about over here in Pero Let Me Tell You. We have with us Daniel Leiva. Welcome to Pero Welcome Let to Me Tell You. Thank you so much for joining us, man. What's up, y'all? Um, yeah. I love so it. I excited. call him a Cubano and he says y'all. Y'all. <laughs> well, we know, are from man. the South. Sorry. That's true. <laughs> you know, the South does rub oh, off. Wait, hold on. Let me, do, let me just redo that, the, the intro. Que ahora se de Ahora sí, ahora sí. There you go. <laughs> and that is the Hialeah version of Pero Let Me Tell You. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Actually, you know what? Before we get into anything, I mean, I know you're living in L.A. now. L living uh -huh. there, do you miss, like, Miami, Hialeah, and all that? H how is it living in the West Coast and being so far from, like, you know, your native roots of, you know, Miami, Hialeah, and all that? I'll be honest, man. Like, the thing that I miss the most is Cuban bread. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I, but yeah. Dude, when I have to talk one in the morning, I, it's just, there's nothing like it. No, dude, that, they didn't I have don't know. Cuban bread Cuban at bread all? Is, no, man. Cuban bread is some magic that people make in Miami and Cuba only. They have I think in, it, I think it's probably like you know New York pizza that mm. people are like, how? Why is it so good in New York and nowhere else? It's the water. It's the water. And sure. hey, I'll tell you what, California water is like poisonous. So it's I mean, it's not as bad as Flint, but I mean, it's still pretty bad. Coño, uh, are those the only two benchmarks? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Bueno, let's let's obviously, you know, any conversation that we have with with you, we have to start in, you know, obviously in in your gymnastics. So, what is that? What's that? What is that thing you did? You flipped a couple times, I think. So, you know, one of the things that I, I'm really curious to hear from you is gymnastics. I mean, if we're being totally honest, gymnastics is generally not a, a sport that I link to. Latinos or Hispanics for some reason. Uh, maybe uh -huh. it's just my own ignorance. How did you get into gymnastics 
as a whole? Is it something that in your family, you know, it, it ran or you just decided one day, hey, I really like this? How did little Daniel get into gymnastics? So here's the thing. Uh, the biggest issue with gymnastics, the, the biggest struggle is that you can't just like go outside and play gymnastics. Uh, you know, like it's like it's so it's such a, a like a commitment, you know, and so like you have to and like you have to like go to a gym and it's like dangerous. I mean, there's crazy people now and like you'll see people just like doing parkour and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's like the closest they get. But when I hear people say like, oh, yeah, I do like gymnastics. And then I see them do those like little like white dots on the on the bars like in South Beach. And I'm like, bro, stop. Um and, but I mean, the thing is that I, I, I got into it because like, you know, my, like my stepdad at the time was, uh, well, he wasn't my stepdad yet, but he brought over some like videos to, to my mom because they were actually gymnasts in, in Cuba, oh. although I had no idea. And he put on some videos and it was like people like doing flips and like flying. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I, that's what I want to do. And at first my mom was like, yeah, no. You're definitely not going to do it because your body is wrong for gymnastics. And what I was like, mean? first, first of all, thanks, mom. No, I was like three. <laughs> no, because, okay, so literally what they do in Cuba, like, they, like, line up kids and they, like, look at their body type and they're just like, you're going to be a good gymnast. You're not going to be a good gymnast. And they literally, based on, like, what their body structure looks like, they used to uh, be like, okay, yeah, let's take this one. Let's not take this one. And so she wow. would say... Yeah, yeah, dude. Hey, I mean, come on, when bro. You, uh, does, that, does that really surprise you? You know, it, like, shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise me <laughs> as much as it did. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And so she was saying that, you know, like, and it's true. Technically, for the, my body type is not ideal for gymnastics because, like, my arms were, like, way too long in comparison to my body. My, my butt was too big. My feet were, like, way too flat. And on top of all that, like, I mean, I have, like, ADHD, and back when I was young, it was even worse. And on top of that, I was fucking amatico, so oh, imagine. Oh, shit. No way. <laughs> so, like, the universe was like, hey, pal, let's not do that at all. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I am going to do I like that you told the universe, mm, not quite, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, that's, like, my life, bro. <laughs> my life is just me telling the universe, nah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so you get in gymnastics i mean you start as a kid and i mean did you find that in your particular case that you that i actually... was very bad yes <laughs> oh what sorry <laughs> was it did you find your that you actually were talented in this or was it more of a skill thing no. at the very beginning dude i literally i couldn't even like jump like i like i'm not exaggerating i didn't know how to jump like, I would have to, like, scoop my feet off of, like, the corner of, like, a curb or something and then just, like, eh, and, like, fall onto the ground and be like, I did it! And <laughs> and then I actually did it. You know, it was you know what I love about this really guy? Bad. That, you know, he's, like, an Olympian and he doesn't take himself too seriously. I love that. I love that. <laughs> uh, but, nah, dude, and, and I just, like, I really – I had like a lot of heart for it and I really loved it. And like, I mean, again, like I wouldn't pay attention in the beginning at all. And so like when I went to like my first or second competition ever, like I literally, I didn't even place. And like when you're that little, yeah. when you're in those little levels, like you, you even like 14th place will get like a ribbon or something. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't get anything until like the very last event, which was high bar. And I got the very, I got like very last. Uh, and I was like all crying and all this stuff. And then, you know, my, my stepdad was like, you see, are you going to start paying attention now? Cause if you want to get medals and all this stuff, you have to start paying attention. And then from then I started paying more attention and things did start to happen. But again, it was very hard. There's a lot of things that were very hard. A lot of things did come really easily. Like what? But I would, um, just like certain skills, like they would come like easier for me, I guess, because I would, because I wasn't very strong. I wasn't naturally strong at all. Like I did have a lot of flexibility, but I didn't really have like much strength. And like in gymnastics, like you really need both. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, so like I would, I would find like the easiest, you know, quote, the easiest way to do things by using like momentum or flexibility rather than having to use my strength. Because if I had to use my strength, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it. Right. And so, you know, I grew up like really having to understand how to break down everything. And like that, honestly, later on in, in the career, it gave me a leg up. Right. Because like, uh, again, like I'm able to like break everything down, like, re- like to the last like detail. And it made, it made me just like kind of better on everything, but yeah, that's kind of how it happened. But it's kind of like you, you were working smarter and not harder. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If Although, that, I don't know if that works in that, in, in gymnastics, you know, cause it's all, no, you need, but... I think in gymnastics, you need more to do works definitely smarter than harder just because like you can get hurt so easily, dude. Mm-hmm. Like there's so, it's such like a high risk to get hurt. Like any little thing. Cause like, think about it. Like you really use like your whole ass body and like everything. Right. Yeah. So, no, hold on, wait. so as I wake up and my, I pulled my neck from sleeping. <laughs> so by, yeah. by what age would you say though, you were, I want to, I, I want to be very professional. You're be like <laughs> kicking ass that you were really good. Cause I know that you, you, you won a few, a bunch of medals, um, even before London in Melbourne. Oh yeah. And, uh, so you see, were really young. Then. I was, I was a cocky little shit. Uh, I was very arrogant and I was uh, uh, a bit of an idiot. Um, and so even when I was like seven years old, I was like, I'm going to win the Olympics. And everybody was like, sit down. And, but like, I, I needed to like have that sort of mentality. And it kind of like helped me as I grew up, you know, like I, I understood that things were like a little harder than just like thinking that you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. No, no, that shit don't work like that. Um, yeah, but there's something to be well, said for putting it out into the universe. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. That that's like you have to do that. You know, like if you don't, I actually talk to kids like uh, in gyms and and all the time. Anytime I go and like visit and like have like a little like clinics or whatever, I, that's exactly what I tell them. Like even if if you don't like fully believe it, like you have to say it, like because that will ultimately make you believe it. And then if you, like it, because at the end of the day, if you don't believe in your goals like who else is going to believe in them? like nobody else is going to believe in your goals you feel me so like you have to be you have to be the first one and then everybody else will start like following suit uh but no i would say it was somewhere around like 15 16 when i really started to like i was like okay this is like i can actually probably make something out of this wow Wow. And at that point, were you already competing? Because that's like you were what, in like ninth, 10th grade? At that point, were you already competing on a national level? International. International. I mean, we actually, yeah, we were actually, uh, so there's always like international meets, like even for like younger levels. Um, and so like we, like our gym kind of, 
they were really good about like going to like a lot of the South American countries and just doing like a lot of like competitions between like gyms down there. And so that kind of gave me another leg up also because it was a whole like experience of like, Oh yeah, I've competed with other countries before. Um, but when I was actually 17, I made, that was the first time I made like the senior national team. So like you have to make the senior national team to be able to make like the Olympics and world championships and things like that. And when I was 17, it was the first time I made it. And that's like, I think there was only one other person that had ever made it at 17 before me. Wow. Wow. Damn. Hmm. Talk about an achievement. Wow. (laughs) So, so you're okay. So you're 17, 18 and you're Mm -hmm. in Australia, right? Somewhere, something like that, yeah. How, I mean, again, you know, from the trajectory you had from a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, being like, am I any good at this? And you're now, like, what in the Pacific Rim Championships in in Melbourne, Australia. What are you thinking? I have a chance. Uh, I'm crazy. You know, is this crazy? Vegemite is horrible. (laughs) What were you thinking? Uh, I will reiterate in saying that I was a cocky little shit. Uh, So, no, like, for real, you know, and, like, I would go out, like, a lot of times it was very misplaced, you know, like, it was later in my career that I understood that, like, I understood my abilities, and I understood what I was able to do, um, but it was, I, like, I used it to my advantage rather than, like, what happened, like, in Australia, because funny enough, the results from Australia were, you know, they seem like a lot, because, I, yeah, I did come back with a lot of medals, but, like, I underperformed as far as like my like the expectations that we had like for me you know like i was supposed to like win and do a bunch of things and i was falling all over the place you know like i kind of like saved my own ass by winning those medals but in reality like i i did poorly in that meet funny enough yeah isn't that funny though how we're always you know harder on ourselves and you know coming (laughs) and and i think honestly I'm, i'm gonna go ahead and blanket statement something with you in it i think also coming you know from being children of immigrants as well it's like we always like no we can do better we have to do better we we can achieve more even though everybody else around us is like damn that was great that was fantastic like in our minds we're like yeah but no no i can still do 10 percent more you know or or what have you absolutely but here's the thing the problem is i mean and i'm sure you guys can can tell with like the whole culture everything that's been coming out with like with gymnastics and all these things like you can tell that by especially when I was growing up, the whole culture was, you know, it was very toxic in the, in the sense that like, you were coming up in the thick of that, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was very fortunate that nothing like that ever happened to me, but it was just like different things. Like for me, like I was very much, um, just, it just, nothing was ever really enough. You feel me? Like I only, even after both Olympics, it took me like a solid year for me to like have that time to reflect and be like, oh damn, I actually, I did some shit in gymnastics. You feel me? It took you a year. Because, dude, at least, and, wow. and like my girlfriend can can attest to the, to the fact. Like I literally, I was just always so hard on myself, and like it was always like nothing was ever really enough, dude. Even after getting two silver medals at the Olympics, I was kind of salty because I was like, ah, I should have won. You feel me? <laughs> Dude, and it's like, bro, is awesome. Down. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so no, I, 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 no, I know now. <laughs> in retrospect, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious because every time you see like you know they do like these profiles on television on athletes and especially on Olympians that they show the blood, sweat, and tears that of everything it takes to you know 
get to, you know, in your case, in 2012 to London. So tell us a little bit in terms of, I mean, we can only imagine the regimen you were going through. What what a typical day, you know, training for the Olympics or going down that route looked for you. So, um, so like for the majority of my career, uh, starting uh, after I finished first grade, the gym kind of made a transition into doing a, uh, like homeschooling for a lot of the kids that like wanted to train more and like have just like more time to practice. So obviously my, my, my mom and stepdad being like the owners of the gym, I was going to be the first one signed up for it because you know, like <laughs> I had to set the example, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. Um, but especially because of that, uh, I was homeschooled. And so I would train, we would train from like nine, from like nine to five, it's like an hour and a half for lunch or like maybe just an hour for lunch on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then Wednesday and Saturday, we would train from like nine to one. Um, but like I said, you know, like the gym was like fairly new, still like opening up at around that time. And, you know, I was little and my parents were the ones uh, owning it and coaching. So like a lot of times I would get to the gym at like we would get there at like eight forty, eight fifty. And we would have to end up leaving at like 11 at night, sometimes midnight, because after, you know, after everything, my parents were the only ones that had to go and clean the gym and shit. So I would be sleeping on the mat. You feel me? But like, as far as training, it was like nine to five, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then like nine to one, Wednesday, Saturday. But then towards the last year of my career, so like, like 20, from like 2015, like mid 2015, all the way to like the end of uh when i retired after the olympics i was training seven days a week just because of the fact that i felt that my body needed that like constant movement so that because a lot of times i would feel that like i would have that rest day on sunday i would come back in on monday and just feel like a truck hit me and then i was like dude what is happening i'm like trying to take care of myself like how am i feeling this way and then one random day i go and i was playing soccer on a sunday and i go in on monday and i felt like amazing i was like Oh, okay. I just have to keep moving. So then I just started going to the gym on Sunday. <laughs> so that's that's your version of a uh, Sunday fun day. Is that what I'm hearing? Back then it was. <laughs> okay. Not anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here we here you are. 2012, the London Olympics. The Yep. The world's biggest stage, you know, in terms of, you know, everything, in terms everything, of everything, yeah, everything athleticism, yeah. <laughs> and especially gymnastics, because gymnastics, at least in yeah, the United States, sure. it's one of those marquee events that everybody sits around the TV to watch and the air in prime time and all. So how's the pressure? When people remember that gymnastics exists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sabotru. Yeah. yeah. But I, I can't even imagine what that pressure. I mean, what do you do? Do you like completely tune? out do you like are you in your own zone how do you handle that amount of pressure so here's the thing that was really really cool something that i was able to do um i think maybe it was just the way that i approached it right so i I was really fortunate that in 2009 um i went to my first world championships and it was in london at the o2 arena and it was like my first like huge international competition. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is beautiful. I had a great time. When I got there in 2012, I was like, oh, I've been here already. Mm. You know, so like it, that was like really interesting. But 
obviously everything was really different. Like the colors were super different and super vibrant. And, and on top of that, there was like the Olympic rings just pasted everywhere. So for me, I was like a, like a kid in a candy store. I was like, I'm here. Nah, no way. I'm here. And like, I, it didn't even process. Honestly, it didn't even process until, until like 2016. That's when I realized I was like, Oh shit. I went to the Olympics. <laughs> that's interesting that you you know you were able to almost be like okay there's a sense of familiarity here because i've been right here not in the same you know situation but i've been here before and so i'm gonna let that take away yeah. some of the the jitters you know and on top of that like i mean when you trap when you compete in the international circuit like you compete with the same people you know everybody True. is like True. from different countries so like you know you get there and you're just like oh there's that guy and that guy and that guy yeah i know exactly what i have to do right you feel me and like i i said this i was very insightful for a 17 year old uh <laughs> after that first world championships you know that build-up was like a lot i was like man what's gonna happen but then i got there and i was like oh wait a second there's not like a pool with sharks under the events like nobody's gonna be throwing like tomatoes at me while i compete it's just normal gymnastics fuck it cool this will be fun that's what kind of fear so did like, your mother and stepfather put into you that you thought there was gonna be sharks no dude no <laughs> no like on the you know like on the contrary like they were they were i think it was because of them telling me like dude it's just like yeah it's big but it's still just gymnastics right and then you don't really like listen until you see it happen and you're just like oh you're right so you gotta experience it you can't just take people's word exactly. for it yeah and how was you know in in well in london you uh, you got i believe a bronze then you in in um rio you got um a couple of silvers what what is the pride that you feel because i've always thought if i'm up there like i would totally start crying like i'd be that guy that'd be like just <laughs> unstoppable like crying how, how how do you yeah how do you process that in terms of the pride and what that means to you know your home country so again in London, it was even more that I was like, <laughs> because of the fact that that first day, the qualifying day, I actually was in first place. Like, I got first place. Mm -hmm. And my mom loves saying this. She's like, Bueno, mijito, si eso hubiera sido en mi tiempo, tú hubieras ganado la Olimpiada. Because, like, back in the day, it was just one day. So you just had to go compete. And then, so like technically I would have won that first day. That would have been like how it was, but obviously, you know, times change, rules change. Right. So we went into the all around and, you know, everybody completes on a clean slate. Now I had messed up on like the second event and I literally was all the way in like 17th place. Wow. And like people had like written me off and they were just like, well, I guess he couldn't perform. And then I started building back up. And once I got to high bar, I was like in like third or no, I was in like fourth. And then people were like, oh, oh, snap. And then I did my hybrid routine, and I ended up in second place. And I was like, yeah! And then the fucking asshole from Germany did his routine. And he landed, and I was like, yeah, second place. And his score popped up and pushed me down to third. I was like, you son of a bitch! <laughs> damn um, Germans. <laughs> damn Germans. No, but, but honestly, so, like, I was, like, I was, like, happy because I was done. But I was like, oh, man, I could have gone second. What a uh, but in 2016, after uh, after my last event, when I was up there, I looked over to the crowd, and my mom was in the crowd, and I saw her crying, and I was like, oh, my God, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, it's not campus. Yeah, I'll do it, <laughs> mommy crying, okay? we'll be out there. 
exactly. of, of the three like major disciplines the parallel bars the horizontal bar and the rings do you have a favorite i would say high bar just because of the fact that even if you don't know anything about gymnastics you watch people do high bar and it's like super impressive and like really cool and fun to watch mm-hmm. you know so like being able to like perform that in front of a bunch of people and like doing a lot of shit and people being like whoa that was a lot of fun Mira, I have to tell you from a from a non gymnastic <laughs> you know opinion here to me when I see guys do the rings I'm like they're superhuman because I just think of the amount of strength that Dude, you I, have yeah that's like one rings. of the hardest ones for sure yeah that's, it's like it's crazy. crazy yeah yeah it's, it's like I see that and I'm like but, but you know oh. what then <laughs> you know what though that has a lot to do with what we were talking about that like even though it sounded ridiculous like the whole Cuban system thing it has a lot it makes a lot of sense because depending on your body structure, certain events become really easy, but other events become really hard. Mm -hmm. So like if you're a shorter guy, stocky, you have shorter arms, rings is going to be a walk in the park, but pommel horse or like high bar is going to be a little more difficult because you have to be like, you have to swing, you have to like have better flexibility. And if you're the opposite, like me, if you're a little longer, your arms are a little long, you know, like, High bar and P bars will be much easier, and pommel horse too. But rings is going to be a bitch because your center of gravity is like it's just like your weight is much like it's dispersed like in the longer sense. So it's it it's like even harder to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just looks so hard. It's just kudos to you, sir, because we can't even hang from. So I I wanna I wanna I wanna like bring it home a little bit in terms of the the Olympics because I have to say that um. I don't know if the NBC kind of caught on. I don't know if they did it on purpose. But I have to tell you, when they would air, like, the little routine, little ritual of you and your stepdad, I remember I would watch that with, like, my dad, and we'd be like, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if everybody, I don't think, saw it the way that we did. But we're like, yeah, (laughs) it's some Cubano. Like, like, that's our people. That's totally what we would be doing. And I I mentioned to the rest of the world, they probably like, oh, how cute. He's there with his stepdad, who's his coach. But to us, we're like, yo. No, you know those white people were like, oh, that's so cute. Look what they're doing. <laughs> what is that? What is it? <laughs> but for Who's us, him in the flat? That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, that was like, you know, obviously you performing was the highlight. But we, I mean, and that's why I say like, I don't know if NBC, because I, I remember, especially by the time Rio came around, you know, that you were obviously known from, from London. It, it's like every time that you would go on, they would air that. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole thing with the kiss. And we, we loved it. Like we ate all that up. We're like, mira, mira, la de, de Miami. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just that, like, th- I mean, did you comprehend at the time, like, the pride that people, specifically of Miami and, and Cuban-Americans had that, you know, Dude, thi- it's so funny that you this said that, man. kid, this kid ended up in the Olympics, like, yeah. the Olympics. Not, you, I mean, just, you're, you're like any one of us, you know, yeah. I mean, on the, on the base of it, you know? Yeah, it's really funny that you guys said that because... I like made the conscious decision to not like <clears throat> go to college and, and, you know, like compete for a college team and, and all this stuff because I wanted to stay in Miami because of my family, because of where I was training, you know, because of everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize like. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like the magnitude of that impact uh, bec- when I was in London, because I was just like, okay, cool, I did my thing, and like, it was really cool because then I would go back to like the village, uh, and then like the other athletes would be like, hey man, we saw you, that was great, man, good job. But I was, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, that's really cool, thank you, you know. But that I was used to because everybody was an athlete, everybody was in the same right. bubble, we were all watching each other. I was like, cool, thanks, man, appreciate it. Dude, the, when it hit me was when I got back home that there were people waiting for me, like my family. But then there was random people that I was like, who are you? And they're like, oh, yeah, great job. Dude, that's the any time I go to Miami. Well, not anymore. Now they say, because that's. That's now, that's it's, what I'm known for. It's now. the evolution. Oye, tú eres bailarina. ¿Qué tal? Mira que baila, ¿no? ¿Qué pones? I was like, mm huh. Yeah, yeah. Sí, sí. Oye, tú que venías a ganar. Oye, gracias, gracias. Muchas gracias. No, but it really is like, it was such a home. Like, I remember watching you and being like, man. I mean, he's one of us. That's that's us. Up there. That, he, yeah. that, he's one of us, you yeah. know, and, and look at where he's at, you know. I mean, I know it sounds cheesy. I mean, I've always been – no, no, dude. I've always been super, super proud of, like, where I am. Like, anytime anybody asks me, like, hey, like, where are you from? I'm like, well, I was born in Cuba and raised in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's, like, the standard go-to answer no matter what because, like, that's just, like, who we are. And, like, it really – like, even between other, like, Hispanics, like, it's so awesome to see, like, how everybody is proud of, like, where they come from, being a Hispanic, you know? And it is, dude, it's it's so sad when, like, sometimes you see somebody that you're like, bro, you're Hispanic, and they're just like, no, I was born in, I was born in Texas, and you're just like, okay, okay, sorry, sorry about <laughs> your experience. Right. Mine was much better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it it was great, and we were all very proud of you. Okay, so Rio Rio comes and goes, and you retire, huh? and you're what, like 24? 24? 23, 24? So, you know, the ripe old age of 24. You're 24 now? No, he was 24 when he retired. Oh, oh. No, um, I'm 27. I'm 27. Um, what What's kind of like the thought process at that point? You know, did you feel you, you gave all that you could give? Did you just want to move on with your life? You know, at such a young age. And, and I, I, at that point, I imagine well, gymnastics is all that you know. You know, what, what makes you think um, I'm moving on? Yeah. I mean, I've al- I had always, always been super enamored with, like, anything and everything, like TV and movies and just entertainment in general. <clears throat> and so I knew that I always wanted to do that. 
The only reason why I didn't was because of the fact that, like, again, because of the environment that, that I was in, you know, like, I was told a lot that I had to focus only on gymnastics, and I couldn't, I didn't have, like, right. I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury to, like, do anything else because that would, like, it would, I would, like, lose concentration, and I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to like, do anything other things. So, like, I never really started until after Rio, but I always knew that I wanted to do it. Now, I also always knew that right after London, I always I thought that I was going to retire after London because I you know I was expecting a certain result, didn't happen. I was twenty, an idiot, and and then I you know it didn't happen. I was like I'm going to go again then, and I'm very happy that I did. You know, like it, I got like what was it like three more world medals during that time, and then two more Olympic medals. But like literally as I was finishing my last routine, like in the air, like. I was like, and retired right when I landed. Like, <laughs> like I knew exactly. I knew that that's exactly what I was going to do, and that like, and now that's what I've been doing. You know, for the last three years, I've been out here in LA, and I've been, you know, acting and doing some things. I actually have an audition tomorrow for like a Nissan commercial or something like that. Um, uh, I know you're I've out, actually been writing. I know you're out in LA, but I'm gonna say yeah. the first time I saw you acting was a little project that takes place down here, Hialeah the series. Oh yes. Well, yeah. I yep. saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was watching it, and when you're, you you popped up, I'm like, "Es está en el leva." I'm like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> I'm like, "He's oh, he's acting now." Okay. We interviewed, we interviewed the creators last year. Yeah, the year creators on the and um, the st- uh, oh, no way. the stars. Yeah, yeah. Este, the, yeah, the, Melissa. Oh, Melissa, Melissa, yeah, Melissa, yeah, 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 and and David, yeah, yeah. Dude, um, that was my very first acting project. Well, you did embarrass yourself, sir. You did a good job. So, congrats on that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. No, but it was it was interesting because I was like, oh shit, you know that that's this that's this guy, the sky, the Olympian, you know. And thank and, you. Yeah. It, it was again. It's just funny the things that you notice. I guess you know when when you're us and you're tuned into like that's one of us. You know, we notice who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, of course. And honestly. I got happy for you and excited for you just watching you in that Hialeah the series thing because I'm just like, oh, good for him. He's doing something different. You know, he's going to keep, you know, having success. And that's, you know, there's just something. Ab- Thank you, man. There's just something about you and even now talking with you that you're just, a, you seem very infectious, sir, in a good way. You know, like. Thank you so much. Like, I don't know. Thank there's you just so like, much, really. Un, un tipo gente, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, Thank you, man. we don't know you. Maybe good when people. We hang, yeah, maybe when we <laughs> hang up, you're a total schmuck. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, you know. No, but you know what, man? Like, not, you know, like, we've been talking about, you know, like, being, like, proud and being, like, from Miami and all that stuff. And honestly, like, that's, that's one of the main things. That's, like, one of my main goals, like, for, for, like, this, this, I guess, era of my life now you know like i do want to be an actor and i want to like start having success and stuff but because i want to start telling more of our stories because like in reality like how many especially cuban like how many cuban stories are out there like two one of them is scarface and the other one is one day at a time you know what I mean? like that's really it i guess like get you would say was the other one but that was like a long time ago i was gonna and... say you're forgetting the holy grail but you mentioned it all right all right yeah yeah <laughs> no of course dude you can't you can't you can't forget but but like you know what i mean and so i want i like that's what i want to do i want to create stories i want to create like movies and tv shows that highlights our culture because it's and especially like even even not just cuban culture but like miami culture dude it's like so different man i would tell i would tell people all the time i'm like dude miami's not part of the u.s and they're just like i know i'm like no you don't you don't understand 
Miami is not a part of the United States. Like, you get there and you're just like, where am I all of a sudden? I don't know if you guys feel like that, but oh, like. We have a podcast that is based on that. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, in Miami. We talk about it all the we, time. You know, one of the things most it's, recently that we talked about is that where else other than in Miami that during um, mango season, your coworkers all bring little bags with mangoes because, you know, you have that dude, coworker. A whole, a whole trash bag. <laughs> of mangoes because you always have that one coworker that has a mango tree and an avocado tree. Yep. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's like, you get a mango, you get a mango. Only in Miami does that happen. <laughs> Dude, you come to California and you want an avocado? First of all, it's like half the size of the avocados in Miami. Oh, yeah. So the fucking eagle. And second, it's going to cost you like $13. So I'm just $13? Going you? No. But like, you know, like, it's funny. Like, people, they they joke about it because it's so expensive here. And in Miami, it's like a throwaway thing. They're just like, yeah, I have like 12 of these. Do you want one? <laughs> you would have thought we would have come up with avocado toast way sooner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And have you like have you found because I know that that happened to me when I, I moved away for a few years to the Midwest. Did you understand that oh, when I'm you so lived sorry. here? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Did you understand that when you when you lived here or it took moving to California to understand that no. we have a very unique culture down here? No, I understood. I understood because I mean, remember like I used to travel a lot. Yeah. You know, and like one of the main places that that we would go to was Colorado Springs for, like, the national team camps and stuff. Like, we would go every six weeks. So you can imagine, like, the contrast between Miami and Colorado Springs. Casino. And, dude, hey, casino. <laughs> dude, and, and so, yeah, like, I always knew. And, and my mom always – in fact, when I was going to move out to L.A., I was, like, really nervous because I was like, like, this is probably going to be really hard because I'm probably going to miss Miami so much, right? But yeah. – Luckily, the culture out here is really interesting because, like, <clears throat> there's not as much Hispanic variety as there is in Miami, which is, like, the one thing that I really miss. Like, there's not really, like, there's, like, no Puerto Ricans. There's, like, no Cubans. You know, like, like I haven't met a single Dominican over here. You know, like, wow. like the variety of Hispanic people, like, it, it's kind of lacking. But it's really interesting because we don't really have in Miami, like, the like the abundance of like Mexican culture out here, like Asian Very culture true. that there is out here. So it was really cool to like see like the like the difference that I don't know, it was just really interesting because I was like, man, like I've never really experienced this. Like this is really interesting. Also, the the food is the one thing like there's not really I think there's like I think we found like maybe two Cuban restaurants, like actual Cuban restaurants. One of them is actually called Vitsaya, funny enough. <laughs> uh -oh. It's not the same. Uh oh. I smell it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. But, but I mean, it's still it's decent. You know, it's good enough, right? See. Uh, but like that was the other thing that I that I was kind of surprised in a good way about. Oh yeah, if you're looking for another Cuban restaurant, I don't even know if they're still open. But if you're feeling adventurous and you want to go to a Cuban vegan restaurant, oh god, in LA, it's called Ecolequa. It's actually not bad. You're you're lying. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. Do they have flan? They, I do you know what I don't remember if they have flan. If you say yes, I don't remember you're lying. Had, no, I don't remember if they had dessert. Is what I'm saying. Like, cause I, I didn't have uh, dessert. How do they make vaca frida? They make everything out of <laughs> soy and then los asonan with the the seasonings. So like, I had actually, I think that's what I had was either vaca frida or ropa vieja. Mm. 
the meat, because obviously you can tell it's not meat, doesn't taste quite the same. Pero el arroz con frijoles, los maduro, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, those, for sure. That's all, that's, that's all vegan. Exactly. Yeah. That's all vegan anyway. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, okay. let's be yeah. real, guys. Let, let's be real, guys. Cubans in Cuba have been vegan for the past 55 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not by choice. No, not but... at all. Vegan and organic. <laughs> and organic, yeah. <laughs> In Cuba, that's a way of life. Basically, we're we'll have the occasion. They'll, they'll have the occasional horse right. or cow, but so so you're writing. So you know, you say you want these Cuban stories. So what are you writing? Are you writing, uh, you know, um, plays? Are you writing like maybe scripts or pilots for yeah. TV show? Because you're also doing stand up. So you know, how how hand in hand does yeah. all that go? I am doing stand up, um, and that's like it's been really fun. It's a you know, it's really tough just because like. The places that I'm hitting right now are like places that <clears throat> only comedians go to to work out their material. Sweet. So like I feel like they're a little bit harder of a crowd, just because they, I feel like they might be expecting like a little more because like they're comedians and they're just like okay like I know that's funny or not I know it's right. not, um, but it's really good because like if you can get them to laugh then you're like like damn that one works right yeah um, but as far as like writing like I. Um, I am like, we did like a little project, me and a friend of mine, that's kind of loosely based off of our life, uh, where it follows like a former athlete trying to be an actor and a former like child star who like turns into a director. Um, and I also like just recently wrote a script, like a, a movie script. Um, and it, it takes place in Miami, you know, and it like, I, I'm like purposely showing, um, the Miami culture in not in a subtle way, but not in a way that's like, like, you know, crazy rich Asians, the culture was almost like a character in itself. Okay. With the sense that they were like very much like, they were like, this is our culture. And like, this is what we do. And this is that. But like in, in Miami, you don't, people don't, they don't really talk about it. It's just, that's how it is. Right. And so that's the kind of way that I'm doing. I'm taking a story that's like very quote common in the sense that it's an action thriller. It's like, like a, like a cop, story where like the guy is like dead dies and he tries to figure out who killed him blah 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 mm-hmm. but it's in miami and it has like very much miami culture and like highlights everything very miami you feel me yeah so that's like, the kind of like thing a miami doing. noir type of thing almost but like um not miami voice because that was just <laughs> yeah no no terrible <laughs> yeah no. um uh, <laughs> but but just um let me see what would be what would be a Honestly, think about like, like a mix of like The Departed and Bad Boys. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. It's not like super dark and like super serious, like the, the The Departed, but there are like a lot of twists. Yeah, and also, and it's not super heavy action like Bad Boys, but there is like you know like Bad Boys does a pretty decent job of like showing like oh Miami and and that kind of stuff. You yeah, know? and I feel like The Departed was a very Boston story. You know, exactly. In, in, in that exactly. Sense. Yeah. So I see where you're. I see where you're going with this. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, we could go on for an hour. You know what? I was going to tell you that, you know, since we're going to be in L.A. soon, if we would have met yeah. up, we would have totally taken you una caja de pastelito de Guayaba. Oh, no. Una flota de pan. Una flota de pan. totally would have. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds so good. No, see, the problem is that you can't, you can't bring Cuban bread because just on that flight alone, it will turn into cardboard. You know, like you can't. That's a bad no, thing. Like you have to, you, you right. have to eat it. 
Why are you talking about putting it in a plastic bag? Because, I mean, it's still not the same, bro. It's not, oye, pero like, you know it's not the same. It's not the same, pero tú no tienes nada allá, so... <laughs> That's true. You know what? You know what? You're right. Me cae logo. You're right. But pastelitos, pastelitos do travel well. They do. They do travel well. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, yes they do. So, anyway... I, I can't tell you how happy we are to have had this conversation man. with you. Not only because of your achievements, but because you really are the embodiment of, you know, somebody who makes us proud. You know, not only Cuban-American, but Miami, you know, just good around, you know, all around good person. Um, you really, really are the embodiment of that. And we humbly thank you so, um, much. Thank you so much for being on our little podcast. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's like a lot of fun to do. It's cool to like do things like this because again like you you guys know there's not really much there's not there's not many outlets that are that are miami culture in the sense in the way that we are that we're kind of like the next generation in the sense of like we are still very proud to be cuban and we are we do speak spanish and all that stuff but like we're still from miami so like we still speak english primarily and and it's just kind of who we are right like that you know, the other things we would have to go to america TV or what's the other one <laughs> Amen. Mega, mega, you know, or, or mega, right? And like, we're not eighty anymore, right. you know, like. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Yeah. We're not eighty. Yeah. No, not yet. So yeah. So good luck, good luck on all you know, all yes. your projects. We look forward to all of them, man. Seriously. Thank you, thank Seriously. you guys so much. Okay, un abrazo, okay. I'll hit you guys. Up. I'll hit you guys up when I'm in Miami again. We, we yes, can, absolutely. We'll have like patelito, like a, patelito and real ropa vieja. In, uh, 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 we'll we'll yeah. make sure that they have the freshest pan cubano coming <laughs> out, of, out of the oven at that moment. We'll be like, no, 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 no. Hagan una flauta y después que terminen al dos más, porque este muchachito con lo flaco que está, menos voy a alimentarlo. Exactly. And we're back for a hot minute. So I told you the other day, actually, because I was uh, when I was editing the, uh, his interview. Listening to his interview made me upset. Why? Because as much fun as we had interviewing him over the, over the phone, knowing now the awesome human being and the good time we had with him in person, it makes me upset that we... D- that we couldn't do it in person. I thought about taking his micro, the microphones, but I was like, nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just like, as awesome as I love that interview, that interview would have been even better in person because he was so fucking awesome. He just texted. <laughs> oh, me? Oh, yeah, his ears us. must be ringing. He literally just, anyway, just anyway, texted us. So uh, I hope, I mean, I know it did in Oye, that dile, interview. Dile, nunca uh, come... <laughs> Come across how great he is. And again, Daniel, thank you, thank you, yes. thank you so much. And again, you have an open invitation whenever you want to come on the show again, Paul. Oh, don't worry. When you're here, we will let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, you know, but most importantly, thank you for your hospitality. And thank you for showing everybody, the world, uh, you know, you're one of us that you can go as far as you did. So and waving that proudly. So, yeah. so now. Somebody else we're very proud of. Let's move into another. Hospitality pride. Another I guest mean, that, I mean, this is incredible. So for those of you, especially who are in the LA area, 
Puerto's is a household name. Yeah. So here, obviously, in the East Coast, it's not as known. But Puerto's is a chain of bakeries in um, in L.A. Southern California. And they it's of a Cuban family. It, it was started in 1960, founded, founded in 1960 in Cuba. Um, and they came to the U.S., I believe, in the late 60s and started. No, they came in, I think it was 71. Six, late 60s, early 70s. And opened up Una Panaderia in, um, in L.A. And when I tell you that this family is the epitome of the American dream, that is an understatement. Yep. What these people have created with Porto's Bakery is an, it's an empire. empire. You said it earlier, an empire. I, I've you know, I've been lucky enough to travel significantly um, in the U.S. and around the world, mm -hmm. and I have never anywhere that I have ever been to. Europe, um, Australia, the Americas. I have never seen a bakery like Porto's. It's an experience. It, it is. And we went to three of them. We went to three of them. <laughs> and what was funny was that the Each first. bigger than the last. The first Porto's we went to, which was in Burbank, is the smallest, yeah. and it was the first one we went to, but we obviously didn't know it was the smallest. Right. We went because we were going to the studio. We were hungry. We were and like, when go. we go in, we're like, oh, my God, this is enormous. This is gigantic. <laughs> Mind you, it was the smallest. But as Betty will explain, so we interviewed Betty Porto, who is the daughter of the founder of Porto's. Mm -hmm. You know, she, siblings, she's going to explain the trajectory of, of the bakery. But I can't stress this enough for, for people who are not familiar with Porto's. It, I have never again seen anything like this. Mm -mm. This is not a bakery. This is an experience. I think the the one in West Corvina had twenty two thousand square feet yep. or something. Mm -hmm. yep. They have seventeen hundred employees, and it, it's it's it's. Go look at the heat. This is a bakery that has an HR department. Yes, because they have seventeen hundred <laughs> employees. They have an. They must have an HR department, an HR manager, an HR generalist. And what what Ish and I were just completely like mind boggled. We couldn't wrap our head. And, and here. We're coming from Miami. It's not like we're coming from like a small little town right. in the, the middle of nowhere. Right. And we've traveled. At Porto's, it doesn't matter what time of the day you go. Oh, no, no. Because we went to all three at different times of the day. There are people just coming out with like bags and bags no and bags and bags of, of, of baked goods, of food, of stuff. And I've, not, I've never seen anything like it. No, no, no. And, and I, you know, for those of you who are not familiar, well, if you're familiar with Porto's, you're going to enjoy the interview. Yeah. But for those of you who are not, we're we, also going to enjoy it. We're going to enjoy it because not only have they created an empire with this bakery, this chain of bakeries, um, but again, they are the epitome of working hard, Damn right. don't expect anything from anyone, mm -hmm. keep it within the family, realizing the American dream. And they give back to the community. And they give back to the community. So I, I just think that they are a remarkable, absolutely remarkable story. And we're very, very happy that Betty sat down with us. She's a very, very busy yeah, woman. seriously. She sat down with us to talk to us about you know portos and you know their family because it really is it, it's a it's a it's a it's their story but it could be the story of everyone yeah. you know um so without f further ado here is our interview our second interview with betty porto of porto's bakery and welcome back so ladies and gentlemen we have a treat today we have with us Betty Porto from if you're from the West Coast, you know from California, you know you know the name Porto's Bakery, and you know for those of you who haven't discovered Porto's Bakery yet, it is 
with the most incredible chain of bakeries I have ever seen. I have never seen anything like this. But um, behind any great business and behind any any great success story, there's a story of struggle and all. And that is why we really wanted Betty on our show. So, Betty, thank you so much you. for being on our show. Um, you know, you epitomize the Cuban or immigrant dream. Yeah, the American so, dream. Every time I see Portos, whether we walk in the store, we see your packaging, we see, you know, pictures of your, you know, your, your family, your ancestors. So tell us a little bit how Portos became the, you know, empire yeah, <laughs> that it is it's, today. It's, uh, we're still family owned and operated. We have five stores and number six is on the way. So right now we have like 1,500 people working for us, which is something wow. that the city admires because whenever you want to open in the city, now they want you there. Because right. number one, the taxes, and number two, you know, the amount of employment that you bring to the to the area. But when we started, it wasn't like this. It was just, it was a mom and pop. Right. My mother's passion for baking, her dream started back in Cuba during the 19, in the 70s. It took us eight years to get out. She was, uh, she ran an office. She made a lot of money. She had a degree. They closed the office. She was sent home with three kids. My father was working in the same place that she did, he was taken to a labor camp. Wow. To a forced labor camp. He was there for eight years. So he went from making $180 to $8 a month. She went from 280 to zero now. 280 was a woman the USA was not making that kind of money. Right. She went home with three kids. The government didn't care what happened to us, if we died or not. So she had to reinvent herself. She went back to her grandma's recipes. So her grandmother was the cook of the family. Her mother was also a businesswoman. So started going to, you know, started with fr neighbors, friends and family. Pretty soon word got around in our town. There was a lady that made cakes that was not only a great cake maker, but she was honest. And what I meant by that was there were many people making cakes. The difference is in Cuba, people had to bring you the materials because mm -hmm. everything was rationed. Right. So my mother would ask for the amount that she needed. Maybe she'll have two days left over. Other people were asking three dozens extra to keep. Right. So, you know, people caught on to the fact that this person is not and this one is not. So right. that made her, like, stand out, and she did very well. She was there for eight years doing it. She gave money, saved money, left money, brought money to this country. The way it was done back in those days, not legally. Giving somebody in Cuba money, and then somebody here would put us money in the bank account. So when we got here, she already had, like, $7,000 waiting for us. Wow. Because wow, she knew what she was doing. She knew yeah. what she was doing. And, you know, my father kept saying to her, you know, we're in the United States. You need to get insurance. You need to get a job. So she went to jobs and she did everything in her power to fail because she had her in her mind already that if she had been successful in a communist country when it was illegal to be a business owner, how could she not succeed in the United States of America? Right. All the materials, the butter, the sugar was all at your fingertips. So she kept failing every job interview that she took. Right. And slowly but surely, within two months, she already had tweaked her recipes and she had people coming to our house. You know, going forward one year, she had albums. People ordered wedding cakes, quinceañera cakes. Then she started making the potato balls, the meat pies, yeah. uh, the guava pies, all that. Chicken empanadas, chicken salad, all the Cuban things that she knew how to make. She started doing it. We fixed the garage and the house. But by 1976, we came in 1971. But you came here to, to the directly LA to LA because yeah. all our friends from our town, all the immigrants that we knew, 
We're in LA because there was no jobs in Miami anymore. Right. So 1971, there's no jobs in Miami. Plenty of jobs in California. So my mother was driving by, saw uh, the beginning of the little shopping malls. Mm -hmm. She said, I want to open there. It was close to the house because she had built a clientele and she didn't have any more room. So for example, on any given night that we went to the movies, we were kids, we come home, wanted to go to bed and we couldn't go to bed because she was flipping and cooling cakes on top of our beds. <laughs> she would put, so she went ahead and decided, I want to get this place. Going around getting a, 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 the loan was a challenge. She needed $5,000 and everywhere she went, they told her, well, you need collateral. And she would say, if I had $5,000, I wouldn't be here. Why would I come in the bank if I have the money? She didn't understand. Again, luck was on her side. <clears throat> we ran into a Cuban guy from our town that knew of her journey, knew what a great cake maker was, knew that she was a businesswoman, and guess what? He took a chance on us, gave us $5,000, and a couple of months ago, Bank of America came over and they made a whole commercial, and we were on national television for oh, a whole wow. month because they're the ones that gave us our first loan, and a lot of our loans are still with them. Wow. So, you know, the relationship continues. Bank of America yeah. did well, and you did well to Bank of but it America. Was, but it was all because we knew somebody there. Right. Otherwise, we right. would have never qualified. Right. We've, we've spoken to a couple of people, um, Martha being one of them, Martha yeah. Darby. Yes. Uh, She's and, a friend. And, and, and Madeline, one, Madeline, one of your friends. Yeah. Uh, and they were telling us how the, the first bakery was like your typical panaderia, yeah, you know. Yeah, the first bakery was a mom and pop. Yeah. 280 square feet. So mostly she made wedding cakes, quinceañeras. She made the Cuban stuff that she knew. Again, meat pies, ensalada de pollo, Cuban style chicken salad, right. uh, paparrienas, croquetas, things that she knew. Did you find at that time that most of your clientele here in L.A. was Cuban or was just obviously the, Cuban and everybody else? Most of the people else? that came to at the beginning were Cubans, right. friends and family. But being in L.A., people worked in factories back in the days. So they had Mexican friends, Salvadorian friends, Filipinos. So pretty soon we started getting people from all over the world. Right. It was just Cubans. So we needed to expand our menu. And so in, in Silver Lake and Sunset, it was a Mexican area. My brother started making Mexican stuff. He became a baker. Right. And he makes Mexican pastries. Now, uh, <laughs> keep going. We're, we're, we're recording on location. I mean, we're recording live at a Porto's bakery. Yeah. <laughs> so when we came to... Mama Pop, then we go to Glendale uh -huh. to a bigger location, no longer no longer Mexicans, mostly Anglos mm -hmm. that are living in the area. And pretty soon we're there for two years and then the city decides to kick it up and go into redevelopment. So city of Glendale went from being a very sleepy town to what it is now. And the first skyscraper standing where our old bakery was. So the city had to relocate us across the street to a brand new facility. So we have bought a bakery in Glendale for $32,000, fully equipped. Mm -hmm. From 280 square feet, we went to 3,200. Wow. And then when, this, when the government decided they need this whole block, they're gonna do a skyscraper, they moved us across the street, they made us a bigger bakery. So now we have 7,000 people living across from the bakery. Right. So you know what they say, supply and demand? Exactly. That's exactly. Exactly. So by the 80s, we jumped in the coffee wagon. You know, right. we noticed that coffee was profitable. We knew friends, the Gabinas, the Gabinia family. Mm -hmm. <coughs> they sell Don Francisco, La Llave. Ah, okay. They were friends and they had a coffee roaster. 
They were also starting out. Right. And we started buying uh, coffee from them. And now we sell in one location more coffee than three or four Starbucks put together. Right. What? And and how, you know, as you kept growing, how, because nowadays somebody who comes to Porto's, I mean, it's so much more than a bakery. It's a, a bakery, a cafe, it's a, a bakery, coffee shop. It's a bakery, a cafe. We have breakfast. We can get dinner. So we have Cuban plates. That means black black beans, white rice, Which platanos. Your frijoles negro are so yummy. They're very yeah, good. Yeah, we had them yesterday. We had them yesterday. They were really good. Yeah, you yeah. can have a choice of a steak sandwich, pan con bistec, yeah. or you can have pork. Or how, did you, how did you guys... You know, which is what Ish and I kept talking when we saw how big this is. How did you expand the menu to still keep it, you know, the authentic Cuban staples, but uh, yet add certain things? Well, the thing is, again, it's supplies, supply and demand. The key to the economy in this country has always been supply and demand. So we noticed there's, a, you know, 3,000 people across the street and there's a supply. There's a, there's a demand. So we go from just being making a Cuban sandwich to making a pastrami sandwich because we have people now from all over the world. So we need to supply the demand. Right. And we go to making turkey sandwiches. There's a demand. And you are smart enough to realize, Jesus, we can sell these people lunch. Right. right. Let's keep them here. Right. And we start going from one sandwich to 15 to 20 sandwiches. And we just keep growing because we are, we are able to keep pricing down. But at the same time, we use the best ingredients in the world. So if you go to a high-end bakery that only takes cakes and they sell a seven-inch cake for 45 bucks, right? we do a nine-inch for 25 Right. Our ingredients and their ingredients are the same. You know, Belgium chocolate, the best honey from the world, the best butter from the, around the world. So we always kept our ingredients. We never compromised on ingredients to make more money. Right. So people started realizing these people are not giving us incredible prices. They're giving incredible food. You can't blame people. People are smart. Right. If you give anybody good pricing for a good product, they will follow you to the end of the world. Right. So that's the secret to our success because we understood early on that our people, that our customers were families. Right. They were not rich people. They right. were just families, normal families with a budget. Right. And we needed to respect that budget right. so we can keep them coming and coming. Perfect example is when the, we had a recession. Remember in the 90s? Yeah. Real estate went up there, went out. High-end restaurants were closing. We thrive during that time because people realize, okay, we can't go to a fancy restaurant, but in the 90s, you can go to Portos and for $20, maybe three or four of you can have dinner. Yeah. So, again. And a real dinner. Yeah. And, and so, again, we profit from when the economies are not doing so well because people realize there's always Portos, right. incredible quality and incredible prices. So, we've always been very real about where people are. We don't aim to become rich overnight. We aim to, to, to work hard, to do it every day. We aim to, to make a difference in the communities that we serve. Right. We're involved with the communities. And that brings a lot of business to us because every one of the bakeries is tied to a nonprofit. Right. I mean, besides the oh, schools wow. and the fire departments. Oh, wow. So we all do the schools, the fire departments, the, the assistance league, the rotaries, the, song, the Kiwanis. That's just a given. But for example, the Los Angeles, the Glendale store, at the end of the day, when we shut our doors, every piece of pastry that's left is donated to the Los Angeles Union Rescue Mission. That's the biggest rescue union mission that feeds homeless. So we, f we feed around 24,000 people a week in that one place. Then every store has a nonprofit that they're tied to. So every day when we're done, everything is taken away from them. And every day we start 
brand new. Right, from So scratch. everything is scratch, everything is fresh. And so we have people that want to buy from us to sell. And I always say no. Because when you have people buying to sell, they hold them right. for two or three days. Right. Then they use your name, and we're not a franchise. Right. So why would I want to do that? So we keep it. Right now we start a new thing that's great from Miami to here. And you guys can look in the website. It's called Bake at Home. Go to the Portals website. It's called Bake at Home. So you in Miami can receive like eight of our main products frozen with baking instructions, ready to bake. It's been going on for two years, and nobody's ever complained about right. messing up the baking. Right. So it's like dummy proof. Right. comes on a box in dried ice. When you receive it, you freeze it. You bake it whenever you want to. And I'm just curious. Are most of the customers from Miami the ones who are ordering? No, no. We're getting them from also San Diego, yeah. Las Vegas, San Francisco, Texas, Arizona. So More so when it's closer because it's cheaper for the freight. Claro. claro. So... The panaderia, you know, your your original store. Yes. What we have now. I mean, I... I, I so we're, we're in your newest location. Right, right, this right. Is the right. I, so slowly but surely, you learn. So it, the trick about this business or any business is you got to keep educating yourself. Right. So that means the moment we were able to detach and have employees, my brother traveled all over the world. There's conventions in Las Vegas, in Chicago, in, in Europe. So he goes to Germany, he goes to... He goes to Italy, he goes to France, um, Holland. They have huge baker conventions, and that's where you learn about trends. Believe it or not, just like in fashion, there's yeah. trends in the food business right. about food, about packaging. So you gotta stay on top of that. And by doing that, we have managed to be on the forefront. Right. I mean, when I first to Europe, the first time I went to Europe, I had a butter croissant when I was, ni- uh, a chocolate croissant in Italy, when I was 19 years old, it took five years. For that croissant to reach America, that's not the case anymore. Globalization. So now we just have to know what's coming, and we just keep growing. What we try to do is we try to be unique. So we do mousses. I mean, people don't realize if you look at the bakery business, you have to go back to Italy and to France. Everything that was invented usually came from that period, because a king would commission their pastry chef to become come out with something like profiteroles. Right. Or something exotic for the court. Right. And they were just passed down, and because of globalization, it's become accessible to everybody. So what we do nowadays, and mousse was not invented now. It goes back to those days. Yeah. A profiterole was not invented now, or an eclair or cream puff. It goes back to those days. You change it, you give it a twist. Right. Like, for example, we make mousses. What do we do? We give it a, a Latin flair, a tropical flair. So we make mango mousse. Yum. <laughs> with passion fruit inside. We make a piña colada. We make jelly rolls, brazoitanos, with guava and cream cheese inside. We make it with dulce leche. We have a, a cookie, a little kiss, a shortbread cookie with dulce leche and chocolate hazelnut. So we try to incorporate it. If you look at the bakers, see all the pages, you're going to see the Cuban influence right. all over the place. Right. Because we always stay true to our roots. Right. But at the same time, you have to realize that a beat by running empanada was not invented in Cuba. Right. It was handed down to, by us from the Spaniards who were conquered by the Italians, and that's where it comes from. Right. Every country in, in Latin America has an empanada. Right, right. Or some kind of a tamal. Right, but, but that's what I think was incredible that we found when we came here was that, yes, obviously you have your Cuban staples, like a yes. Cuban sandwich. Uh, yesterday we had the and steak. the potato balls. The potato balls, and we had the, um, the steak with the frijoles yeah. negro and the rice. 
but you were able to, to as you said, expand. Right. Because otherwise, it would have been like a very niche. It would have been a mom and pop. Yeah, a very niche thing. But so that's where I was going. Like, when you have that, that you know, small bakery that you started with, I can't imagine that any of you dreamed that it would turn in, into Again, this. It was, we were immigrants in a small little place. All of a sudden, we're, we're in a city called Glendale. Let's start to grow. My brother and we were smart enough. We had them finish our degrees and we have fallen in love with the bakery. We stay behind three degrees, three young people now mm -hmm. in their 20s, realizing that we had a gold mine. Yeah. And if we stay ahead of the game and we started saying, oh God, there's a demand, let's supply that demand. And we started going, being also ahead always. Right. Always becoming, then that's the secret to success. You, you look at the demand and you start to think outside the box. Right, right. And now it's easy because now we have two pastry chefs that do only do sweets, two pastry, two pastry, two chefs that only do savories. So as we're speaking, there's a test kitchen. They're inventing, coming up with new soups. We have seasonal items. Like we do a frita, a Cuban take on a frita. Right. It's a much sophisticated, much more sophisticated frita than the ones that you can have in Miami. Yeah. What you know, we had now <coughs> yesterday, which was amazing, the the Thanksgiving potato uh, bowl. That's the, another thing. Oh so we <laughs> we we make that seasonal. So we also do a seafood for Easter. Yeah. And the seafood goes like crazy. We have a like an Italian tomatoes. Uh, you know, it has um, it has shrimps, uh, calamari, and we put that in the potato bowl. And we're working on other things because potato bowls are like the number two seller after the cheese rolls. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of reinventing the potato. We have a vegetarian one. I mean, it's it's hard to even ask this question with like the success that you had. But what's next for Portos? Well, again, we keep growing. We're going to open a new store in in uh, Northridge. It'll be a number six store. But we're really pushing back at home because think about it. If that becomes successful, we don't have to open it in a bunch of different places. You will be able to go on the website right now. There's eight items, our core value items. Because at the end of the day, you know, people come here for those five or eight core uh, recipes, and then they buy more because they go, oh my God, they got flan, they got creme brulee, they got a chocolate triple chocolate mousse, so they buy more. Mm -hmm. But what brings them in is still my mom's recipes Yeah. after 40 yeah. years. Yeah. Although coming here, I mean, these bakeries to our listeners who haven't visited Portos, I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, they're just like architecturally They're like 22,000 to 21,000 square feet. It, it's an experience. It's part of it to come yeah. here and, you know, obviously eat the food. And uh, and we, we try to, with every store, we make it different looking. Yeah. We have one yeah. architectural designs for the, all the stores that we open in Bonaparte. We got one. In Downey, because we know we we know that our customers like beautiful places, yeah. and just because they're Latinos doesn't mean that they don't like beautiful stuff. Yeah. So we try to make them beautiful. We try to have the wall factor, right, for them right. because this is for them. I, I honestly I have never in terms of a bakery cafe I've never seen anything like this. No, I don't think there's any Cuban bakery in Miami or in New York or as a matter of fact in the world. I mean, think about this. We make 60, 60 wedding cakes. On a weekend, 60. Nobody else does that. Those boutique places that make a wedding cake for thirty to twenty-five thousand dollars, those are they make three a week. Right. Our average price is eight fifty, seven fifty to eight fifty. So we make six of those. We work for our money. Right. Hard. Right. 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 But it's that Cuban work ethic that yep. we all grew up with. Yep. 
Yep. No, no, no. You are. This is why we really wanted you. I, I know you're really a really busy woman, but we really wanted you on the show because that's what we like to profile here are people that like have these success stories. And I mean, Portos is the ultimate right. like su success story. And the message is it doesn't matter when you come here and where you come from. Really, I think immigrants are special. And I know Cubans were very special because they couldn't go back to Cuba. Mm -hmm. So when you cannot go back to your country, you're forced to succeed here. Yeah. Other people have their luxury of going back to the countries. So we're forced to succeed because there's no turning back. So any immigrants that comes here with a mentality like, I'm going to make it in the USA, there's no turning back, has a very good chance of doing it because they come from circumstances that are much worse. Yeah. And so they have this dream and this passion about having their American dream, and they don't let people take it away from them. And yeah. they work hard. And what I mean by working hard is my mother would work six days a week, 12 to 15 hours a day. She came from Cuba when she was 40, 39. She didn't take a vacation until she was 67. Wow. So it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't come from the sky. You have to work hard. Yeah. And a lot of times people have this mentality that, oh, no, you know, I can't succeed because there's prejudice. There's always been prejudice. There's prejudice all over the world. There's yeah. issues with immigration all over the world. You need to work on yourself because I think the mental block that people sometimes have is your number one enemy yeah. to not be able to succeed. Yeah. So think, you know, I can do it. My grandparents did it. I have examples of my family of many success stories right. of hardworking people. Right. So just kick some doors and, you know. I really commend you also for still being a family-owned business. Well, we love that. Because you could have totally franchised exactly. and all that. We love the fact that we have our backs. We love the fact that we, we can make a difference in the community. You know, big corporations are not accessible. You yeah. say, write an email, they can't pick up the phone and talk to the owner right. of Portos. I, called, yeah. I talk to people. So there's different when you're a family owned and operated. And you can make changes and your customer has an input on what you do. If somebody doesn't like something, you're like, aha, uh -huh, let's check that out. Why don't they like it? And then we take it off the menu. I remember one time we went from a chocolate eclair that was made with like a chocolate lace and my brother wanted to go to like real chocolate. We had a big eye crop in the community. <laughs> we couldn't do it all at once. But because we wanted to do a better product, we started introducing the chocolate slowly until they never noticed. And now they're used to the real chocolate, so they no longer crave the glaze. Right. They just didn't know. Right. And we wanted, so now we're very careful about making changes and making sure that our customer is the one that tells us where to open, where to do, and what they would like for us to do in the future. And that's always worked for well, us. Well, I have some favorites already <laughs> from yeah. the three times I've come. I love the the, the milk and berries. The tres leches. Uh, yeah, that was That's delicious. a tres leche filled with uh, fresh berries, and it's probably right now the number one seller Very as far good. as cakes. Very good. <laughs> and the chicken um, croqueta. Or cro yeah, we, those are homemade. That's my mom's so, recipe. So delicious. Yeah, they're real Which good. I'm not generally a fan of chicken croqueta, but mm. that one is like... Well, the chicken croqueta is exactly the chicken croqueta you make in Spain. Yeah. If you go to Spain, that's where you have it. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. a recipe from, from yeah. Spain. And then the ham is the ham and, and, and chicken uh, or beef is the typical Cuban croqueta, but again, we don't we make it from scratch with the Michabel sauce. So I hope you can taste the difference yeah. from the ones that you buy from companies that are yeah, coming yeah. frozen yeah. or whatever. Uh, 
no, it's not caserita. It's not. No, no. Everything we've had has been amazing. We're gonna have more. Everything has been amazing. That Thanksgiving papa rellena. Whoever yeah, came up with so that. I, 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 I it's can, like I, having turkey and, uh, yes. and gravy. I was like, it has all the flavors. Yeah. <laughs> how did, I was like, how did they do that? Again, we have very talented people so, working. I, mean, I feel that Portos has become even like a um, tourist attraction in a sense. It is a tourist attraction. Every time people are like, oh, I'm going to go to California. like, you got to go to Portos. Well, plus, <laughs> plus then we, we had number one in 2016. We were number one on Yelp. Yeah. of restaurants in the United States. Yeah. So imagine you're in Nosbury Farm, you're in Disneyland, you yelp and Portos comes out. Yeah. And so we get, during the summer, um, we get maybe at 1.5 to 2 million people coming into the Wena Park store that are wow. tourists. They go, they go crazy Is that, that the, the one, which In one Buena Park. In Buena Park that's yeah, that's, that's on Beach like. Boulevard. That's, that's um, right by Nosbury Farm? two blocks from Nosbury Farm. 20 minutes from Disney. Right. So they come to us for breakfast before they go to Disney. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm sure Disney. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. So, Betty, thank you so much. I know you're really you're busy. And I really appreciate you taking time out and speaking to us. It, it's been a pleasure. And, and again, you're such an example of, of you know, perseverance and, and what the immigrant story is. It's so, amazing. Amazing. Thank you. And I hope that Miami is going to try back at home. Cause oh. uh, and you gotta try it too. Oh, we will. You gonna you can get those potatoes, home. We will. Ah, no, so let's do. Let's order. Let's order them online. You want online, and then you you bake the meat pies and the wabbages. The potatoes and the croquettes are already cooked, frozen. All you do is put them in the oven. Right. And, and they we'll taste. Put it, we'll, put it, we'll put it on, the, we'll on our it. podcast. Yeah. We'll, put it, we'll put it on our podcast. On I'm our sorry. Instagram. So you got it. You got it. Okay. <laughs> so, thank you guys. So, so oh, thank, thank you so you. much, Betty. And we're back. Again. I don't know about you, I'm but ahora tengo tremenda hambre. I'm craving the Thanksgiving potato ball. <gasps> oh, yes. And I'm so hating myself People, for saying it out People, they have, they have una papa rellena that's like a Thanksgiving meal. It's turkey and gravy and delicious. It is so good. It's so good. And you know, you know what they had? And even the regular papa rellena tastes really good, too. You know what they had that I... I've never seen in Miami. Um, maybe it's out there, but I mean, I've been to a lot of Cuban bakeries in Miami and I haven't seen oh, it. Sure. They had a freaking tres leche cake. I think I've seen it, but not like that. I don't know. Not I, like that. I haven't. I mean, I've seen the large tres leches still in like right, the right, little right, right. aluminum thing. Right. That's what that's what I've seen as a as a tres leches cake. Right. No. Not, no. 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 This, no, no. Is a, this like, was imagine a cake. you go to Publix and they do a double layer, yeah. you know, tiered whatever of cake, and it's a tres leches. It was. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, ahora tengo tremenda hambre. We're we, gonna. Have... We need to order their bake at home thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to. We have to. Um. So. So. That time all this food. Time. All this, all, all this travel. All this travel. All this all travel. This food. I, mean, oh. I am thirsty. Estoy con una C. It's funny because said and now thirsty in English has a completely different meaning. That's true. <laughs> I don't think it does in Spanish, though. No, I no. I people say like. Se, se. Es una C. Like, no, no. You're, you're in need yeah. of a liquid. You're liquid. Yeah, you're just parched. <laughs> Hydration. So, so I'm giving my last Coke. Actually, you said you had a gasless Coke. But, I've so, changed, but I changed it. Okay. I changed it literally in the like okay. last 10 minutes. So I'm going to give my last Coke to an event that happened this week, okay. more so than a person. Because, you know, with this complicated world that we live in now, and you hear so many bad news and so many horrible things mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. and all that, it's nice whenever they put something that makes you smile. Right. 
And there's this video that went viral about a protest in Lebanon. So there's been protests in Lebanon going on um, in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, People have been uh, protesting income inequality, and they're very upset with the government and corruption, a lot of corruption in the government. And people have been very peacefully protesting, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, know, really invoking their rights to protest. And I wish that the U.S. or Western media – Put more of an emphasis on this mm-hmm. because a lot of times when they put emphasis on, especially Middle East or, so, you know, or turmoil, yeah, they, it's like they put how shooting and this and that. But right. here is Lebanon, and well, especially what's, what's in Beirut, the thing? if it bleeds, it leads. You know, peacefully protesting against the government, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and and th- they should focus on that. Right, here is right. a positive way of their democracy or their form of government. But anyway, the other day there was this lady who was driving at night. And she was driving through, uh, you know, a set of protesters, you know, dozens of protesters. Mm -hmm. And she had a a little kid in the car, like maybe a three-year-old in the car. And she pulls her window down and she tells him, hey, can you guys keep it down for a minute? Because you're scaring my little kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the protesters did. They surrounded the car and they started going, baby shark, baby shark, baby shark, baby shark. They started singing the baby shark song. That's crazy. Now, I think the kids still got scared. I think I'd be a little terrified, but A for effort. But A for effort. Because she was like, the mom was like, David with her phone. And he's like, what's going on here? I would be too. But I was like, man, you know, in middle of such turmoil that they went around and did this. And they baby shark, I was like, oh, my God, that is freaking awesome. So, you know, a Coke and a, you know, or last soda, but a recognition to people that, you know, at that moment in time, put aside something that was very important to them because what they're, you know, what they're protesting for is something very important, very relevant to, you know, not scare this little boy which in the interim they probably did but their heart was in the good Correct. place a for effort like i said yeah, yeah, yeah. so he, this this last soda is for you protesters of lebanon oh well, that's a good one that's a sweet one mine is going to be short and sweet and i think i may have given this person a soda in the past but i'm gonna if that's the case so be it i'm gonna keep i'm gonna do it again um i'm gonna give the half corporation what's a person they're not a person oh wait, no, wait, no, wait no. um i'm gonna give my last soda to essentially the person who for all intents and purposes, pretty much was the catalyst for our trip to LA. So I'm gonna give it to Juan Pablo Di Pache. Yay! Um, you know, I, I I'm I know that I speak for both of us when I say that when we started this almost two years ago, we did we had no illusions about what we would achieve with a podcast or mm-hmm. or who we'd be able to get on the show. Blah blah. You know all that stuff we've talked about over and over and over again. Right, Mira. We've got egots. We've got um. A, a Emmy mean, living legend. Le- I mean, we've got Netflix stars. Tony nominees. Not nominee. Uh, we've got author. But we haven't gotten Jenny Lorenzo. We have it. Well, it's it's coming. I'm sure. But <laughs> you know, and so I just want to give him a very, uh, uh, you know, again that another was not shade, uh, by the way. Another no, it's not. It's, <laughs> um, but you know, again, another thank you to him because I, again, sincerely, if he hadn't been able to say like, yes, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll hook you guys up with tickets. And, you know, and, and like, like he said, when, when I, when you thanked him and I thanked him, he said, you know what? 
Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, no, no me cuesta nada. Why wouldn't I? You know? And again, the same, same thing we said about Daniel. This guy could be a total diva. He could be a total, right. like, because right now, you know, he's in he's in an upswing, you know. Right. He could be a total diva and be like, whatever. And he's so right. nice. And, you and know. because of this trip, you know, we got to meet Daniel. We got to meet Martha Darby. Yeah. Oh, my God. My big a big Cuban shout family, out to Martha oh Darby. Is, I mean, I didn't know that we had una tía. And Coast, but we do now. But we do. Who knew? And and her daughter, you know, who couldn't be more of Miami if she had no, been born no, no, in no. Her her daughter, I think, was born and raised in Hialeah. But, but she was. Just, they're not telling her. No. And what I think is interesting is that Martha's husband, or he's American. See, see, see. And her, so her daughter, her yeah. da, her daughter's half Cuban, yeah. raised in L.A., and she couldn't be more Hialeah. If like I tried. should send her one of the Martha Miami shirts that say Hialeah AF or Hialeah you know? AF yeah. because I she mean is. she is. But Martha Darby was a incredible, just. One of these I people wish we that spent like three days. One of these people just, that you just mean to me, fall in love with them. Just she's one of the warmest human beings we've ever met. Yes. So, um, so, so yeah. So you know because of because of Juan Pablo and his and his generosity and his just being down to earth. You know we got to meet Martha. We got to meet Betty. We got to hang out with the with you know with the kids uh, at Spanish Aki. We got to meet Daniel. We got to do so many awesome cool things. And again, two years ago when I told you I got two microphones and we're gonna give this thing a shot yes we've come a long way baby you know so thank you Juan Pablo for for being part of that journey. but you know what and thank you let's give a coke to our listeners thank you yeah you know what? because you all just, no we're gonna give them all a hoopinha a hoopinha we're gonna give all of because you, a you know what you Not guys some of you have been with us from the very first day and they were and, rough. and it was rough <laughs> a lot of reverb a lot of reverb reverb uh and here we are. I mean, when we went on this trip to LA, because, you know, we went for a lot of pod, I mean, it was all podcast related yeah. from the full house taping, but, you know, we also had like meetings and, you know, and we did. Yeah, we made sure to pack it in. We, you know, we had, yeah, we had meetings and we had other recordings with other podcasts and stuff like that. We were like, oh my gosh, like, again, who, who would have told us that last year when we started this, we would have been here. So, you know, Thank you, thank you, thank yep. you to everybody who supported us and continues to support yes. us. Support and we've got us. some really great things coming, guys. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and just a quick plug. We're, we're going to go into the plug later. But December 6th, if you're in the South Florida area or you're going to be in the South Florida area, you better get your tickets for Croqueta Palooza. You're going to be hearing a lot about Croqueta Palooza yes. in the next we're, we're few episodes. The... But, but as always, we hope you listened, laughed, and learned. And grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupiña. And thank you so much, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday. And that was episode 86, the California the edition. California edition. All right. Bye, caballero. Que siga la tradición. Que siga, que siga la tradición. Que siga la tradición. De mi Cuba te lo traigo yo. Que siga la tradición. 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 